Hello, welcome to a Gamescom special. Gamescom 2023 special of Swapping Joysticks. I'm your host, Ben Ostwick, otherwise known as Biggest Benison. Joining me, as always, do you want to introduce yourself? It's me, Ed Nightingale of Eurogamer fame. Fame? Wow, I, I you know, you, you give me the evils when I say that you're famous, but you are quite famous. And I think you've, it's gone I'm to your not. head a little bit, this uh, Gamescom. How very dare you? How many people have come up to you and be like, oh my God, you're Ed Nightingale of Eurogamer fame and Swapping Joysticks fame? No one said that. Has anybody ever said, oh my God, you're Ed from Swapping Joysticks? No. Okay, this is the challenge Don't... to the people that listen to this. I want you to, next time you see Ed, go, oh my God, are you in Swapping Joysticks? Bonus if you've never well, met him before. It might be... Oh, you're the guy from the Ben Starr video. Yeah, we've had that. <laughs> well, but they don't know what swapping joysticks is. My favorite bit is when you go when the yeah when you've you say so oh, I'm in swapping joysticks and stuff and then they're like oh no I don't know never heard of it and then you go have you seen the video of Ben Starr reading thirsty tweets like oh my god yeah I'm like yeah, we're was... literally in those videos <laughs> for a brief second we're not the main attraction there. Um, but yeah, we well... we are back from Gamescom 2023. As you can tell with our t-shirts. Yes, we, we went the merch. to the merch place and bought them. Before the public came in so we can... Because uh, <laughs> the queues were huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, we mm. can get to what the public yeah, section well, looked like. But yeah, but... you went for the, for the basic logo. I did. And I went for a cat. Yeah, you went for the one different. that looks a little bit like... A little bit. Third party. You know. Yes. <laughs> what do we mean third party? <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. How very dare. You it's got a cute cat on it. I'm sure that that t-shirt was bought by all the VTubers in attendance. Great. <laughs> well, I'm going to really enjoy sleeping in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy wearing it, you know, out and about. I'm going to be proud. I got a lot of good sleeping t-shirts. Yeah, over the past I've got week. more sleeping t-shirts now <laughs> than I have actual normal t-shirts. And I'm not even joking. That is literally not a joke. I genuinely have more t-shirts. I'm like, I'm going to keep that for inside the house or for sleeping in, not one for going out in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those of you who are just tuning in, we are, uh, this is a game, game, can't stop saying GameSpot. This Don't is a, say that. No, sorry. The other, no, that's the other definitely one. trademarked. Uh, we, yeah, this is a GameSpot uh, original. This is a Gamescom 2023 special. We're going to be talking a little bit like what we've been doing. Uh, we're going to be talking about all the games that we've looked at or we've been playing. This is this full podcast, if you're listening to it now, has, it's probably very delayed because there are a bunch of embargoes and th there were like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we thought, okay, at the end of Thursday, once that final embargo is lifted, we'll just send it all out. But yes. there have been, we have got some of the separate uh, chats about certain games on YouTube, which you can probably see right now. Nice. And uh, and then, yeah, obviously we'll finish with what you've been playing. But like it is going to be generally all about games gone because we've been seeing and playing a lot of games that aren't out yet, which is always a bonus. Always fun. Yeah, we um we normally do uh, a little section on the news and the headlines. But I mean, Gamescom is the news. So yeah. there's no point. No. So yeah, this is our first Gamescom. How did you find it? busy oh yeah absolutely exhausting um and i and i figured it would be in the run-up to it um you know i went for eurogamer and um i had all of my appointments booked in advance so the way that maybe we should just explain the difference between the public and the business side um because we were in the business side because we're cool well, but, I was I was a creator. Thanks very much to Iona who got me the creator pass. Uh, I was Iona's plus one, and I did see her. I only saw her once actually. Um, but we're going to meet up, I think, again at EGX. She's lovely. Also, 
creators get in earlier than press. I'm yeah. not. I'm not happy with that. Yeah, we, we, we went to see. That. There was a game that uh, was only in the public area. Yeah, and it was everybody wanted to play it. So, but for some reason, creators. Yeah, we went. To, we went extra early the second day so that we could go and play it. And I was able to get through, and you weren't. And luckily, the guy kind of felt sorry for you, so let you through. But thankfully, yeah. But creators were for some reason they gave able him to... a wink. Did you? Yeah, I look, it looked like that. Uh, and then at about yeah, because we were allowed in at eight, and you had to go in at nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the public were ten. With the public ten, oh, okay. So. Yes, actually, it was a big queue. But yeah, so we went in. But things, nothing is like nothing is open until nine. Mm. So you can go in at eight, and you can queue. Yeah, I think that's might be what it that might be what it is. Oh, 100%. Queue, um because you're not going in and actually doing anything at that time. Yeah. So Gamescom is in Cologne or Köln. Köln. Um, yeah. that's exactly how you pronounce it. Yeah. And they have a huge convention center. Genuinely. That, I mean, if you've been if you're if you're in the UK and if you've been to London, you know how big the Excel is. This is about 10 Excels put together. It or maybe not 10. Maybe not 10. But maybe like about 6. Five. Yeah, five or six. It's huge. It's absolutely <laughs> massive. And it's these absolutely huge halls with huge stands as well. Like publishers and developers, they they go all out for these like giant towering stands mm. that are kind of immersive as you like walk around them to play games. The Xbox stand was massive. Yeah, absolutely massive. Yeah. Um there was a Netflix one with like oh, God, statues, yeah. like a squid game statue and a and a big Wednesday thing mm. and a Stranger Things car sticking out of a wall and yeah, I didn't recognise it. Yeah, of course not. And um, the Frontier one had the uh, it was all Warhammer, yeah, all Warhammer, which was really cool. cool. It was, and it's quite interesting because we were talking to them and they said like how so in Germany it's very quite it's quite strict to what you can show in public. Um, so you can't show anything that's like sixteen plus. It has to be you can show tits, but you can't show violence. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, that's what they said. So yeah, so they had to make like so all the like the areas, whenever you saw an area where people were playing games, if it was a game that was quite violent um, or gory or whatever, they had to have it completely sealed off. So it was quite interesting seeing all the different publishers, developers, like all the publishers trying to kind of make it immersive and make it cool, but also blocking a whole area off. Yeah. Like in Frontier, they had like a, a wooden fence uh, and a, a throne in front of it. So, you know, in the fenced area behind that's where people were actually playing the Warhammer Age of Sigma. Was it like? Yeah. Uh, game. I didn't play that, uh, but we'd love the people at Frontier. Always get yes, on well with them. Thanks for inviting us to your party. That was great. Yeah. What do we have? Oh, we had free drinks and food. Yeah. That was the, the bu- mini burgers. Mini burgers. They were, they were not even mini burgers. They was like pulled pork or pulled mm. something. It was, was great. So, anyway, the public area is, I think, three main halls. Plus, there's an indie hall, which is two levels. There's a merch hall. There's a load of other stuff. So that all happens, which is for the public. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of game of Gamescom. I was about to say Games Pass then. Very different. We can't say Gamescom. It's no, even but, written on uh, our t-shirt. It's literally written on yeah. us, so we can't say it. Um, the other half is essentially all the same things, but for business. So it's much smaller stands. And they're all blocked off. But they're all blocked off with a reception and they're appointment only. So yeah. if you haven't, you basically have to have an appointment to go and play something. So for me as press, I had a packed schedule of just loads and loads and loads of meetings. Most of them half an hour, some an hour. And, you know, you rock up to the to the stand and you go to the reception and say, Hi, I'm Ed from Eurogamer and I've got an appointment at 10 o'clock to see 
Sonic or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get ushered into a little room and it might be you on your own. It might be you and some other people and you get shown a game. Um, sometimes it's hands on, sometimes it's hands off. Yeah. And you get maybe a sort of 20 minute time demo. Um, and then you you toddle off to your next meeting. But my my the thing I realized is that inside most of those stands, they A, have Wi-Fi and B, they have free food and drink. Which is nice because I went with uh, Great Almond Street and I this is my first Gamescom, so I wasn't aware and people weren't like reaching out to me for meetings. In fact, most of my meetings I had were through being a content creator. So I had a few of those meetings, but next year, if I'm lucky enough to go again, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to reach out. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's like, I think the Grauman Street is part of me where I'm going to be trying to work out and trying to get some um, partnerships with publishers. And also, you know, if they've got, you know, access to creators so that we can use them, you know, use their contacts to uh, help with our uh, campaigns going forward. But I think the initial way to get a meeting with them is to use the creator side of it and be like, hey, we talk about we talk about video games on our podcast. We, you know, I stream all sorts of different things. I'm a Twitch and YouTube partner. Can I see your game? And maybe that would, maybe I, I need to be a bit more proactive next time. But I did have yeah. a few meetings, but I think I could have definitely had a much more packed schedule if I'd kind of not been snowed under with work. Yeah, I think for press, like we had, like literally I had hundreds of emails from people saying like, please come and see our game. And I'm like, I just, I'm like, there's only like what, 10 hours in a day yeah. or whatever else. So it's difficult to see everything. Um, But I had a really, really packed schedule and I realized you want to get to your meetings early because then you can sit and have free food and drinks. See, I did that a couple of times and they were like, oh, you're early. And I'm like, yep. Yes, I am. I would <laughs> like food. a free coffee, please. Yeah. Um, also, Germany does not have water fountains or free water. Or still water. Or still water. Germany. Honestly. What's wrong with you? What are you doing, Germany? Or ca- credit cards. They don't accept debit cards. Yeah, a lot of things are cash only. So many things annoying. cash only. Yeah. So it can get really expensive to buy stuff. But if you're going to the business uh places mm-hmm. you know you get your free you get your freebies which is nice so yeah it's like a whole other side of gamescom basically and it's still really busy there's loads and loads of people there press creators developers business people whatever so it's still really 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 busy and you're rushing around going from meeting to meeting but then you go to the public bit when it's open which is so wednesday is media only for everything and then thursday to sunday is the public bit and the public areas i Genuinely, I don't think I've ever seen so many people in one place. It's so I, horrific. I might do a little bit of editing, maybe, of okay. this video. And I may put a couple of, while we're talking about this, I may put a video up like here or somewhere um, of that I took walking around there. So just so you can see how busy it is. But yeah, I, I did a walk around. You know, you've said that you have to do that now. I do. I have to do that. Yeah, That's, it's fine. I mean, we're not putting this out till later in the week, so it actually gives me time. Great. Um, and we're going we're gonna to milk every bit of Gamescom we can. Of course. But uh, yeah, I went for a little walk around on, I think it was a time when you had like two and a half hours of back-to-back meetings and I didn't have any. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and walk around the public area because there are some games there that are not in the business side because the business side, you need to like pay for a whole booth there um, mm. and I guess have like regular meetings. Whereas if you're a small indie studio um, or an up and coming indie studio or a great indie studio like Fireshine Games, who were only in the public area. Oh, my God. I do not know how they managed to cope there because it was huge. There were still areas. So there were still like giant rooms or they're called rooms, areas, stands. No, like the whole 
like holes. Holes, yeah. There were whole halls that I didn't even go to. Yeah. Like we didn't go and see the downstairs area of I think three or whatever it was. It was it they were and they were huge. And there was someone like on the final day that were like, Oh, this this is here. What is this? This is massive. So yeah. it was yeah, but Fireshine Games were there and they were there the entire time, like public facing. And then I just saw that Sam uh from Fireshine, really, really nice guy who had a good chat with. He was on a flight back today that then as he was on the plane, it got cancelled because of the signalling, the air traffic control problems in the UK. So, And I thought we had a nightmare on the trains. Yeah, <laughs> which we look, we didn't. I mean, our train was 45 minutes late and it went from a different station in Cologne, but they didn't tell us. But because we got there so early, we were fine. Well, we were fine. I was not fine at the time. I was shaking and panicking and stressed. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this yeah. happens. This happens. Anyway, we made it home. We are here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, essentially the the media day is or media days is sort of Wednesday to Friday. The public is Thursday to Sunday. So most of the media goes home or business as well goes home sort of late Friday. Oh, we stuck around um, until Sunday, uh, and all the public are there as well. But we didn't really go in Gamescom. No, it was way too busy. And yeah, like I, my idea was on Saturday and Sunday to go and chat to some social. Uh, so talk to some influencers, see if they can, you know, want to join our campaign for Stream It, Beat It, which will be announced right now, actually. You'll have seen it, um, or at least it will be on Friday. Oh, it's in the Discord for Great Almost Street, where we're going to try and raise money in October. And, um, yeah, but it was not created at that time. It was just the public. Yeah. And, yeah, good. If you went there as, like, a member of the public, I hope you had a great time and good luck, because, my God, there were so, so many people there. So many people, but also, I mean, there's a lot to see and do, but it takes forever to just walk across a hall because there's so many people. Mm. And you're also queuing for upwards of two, three hours to play a 20 minute demo of something. So it feels like a theme park where you're queuing for rides, yeah. but in similar times of literally two to three hours. Um, yeah. So I'd, if you're paying to go, I just don't know how much you even get to see. Because and you just, it's just, there's just so much. You and... didn't go to the public area where they they shut off certain paths that, where we've walked before and like, you know, we've had enough room to, get, to swing a cat kind of walking around. They were so busy and it was so packed that they made you go down like a, a ramp. Kind of, they, they made, they put an extra 500 meters onto your trip from one place to another just because they made you go this whole outside while it was raining all the way out like through a different entrance no. yeah so it was um yeah the public area i wouldn't go if it was public if i could only get a public ticket which yeah. just sounds really arrogant and kind of elitist to me but like it's it's not worth it for what i do no i mean i don't think it's worth if you're a gamer and you love it then yeah there's sure you... there lots of kids there as well it was lots of kids and lots of cosplayers and want yeah. to show off their outfits and that sort of stuff you're like great and just being there surrounded by it and just seeing all the all the lights and all the colors and all that just everything yeah. going off to a lot of people that is amazing it's yeah. like a theme park but if you if you're there to like see as many games as possible mm. you're not going to no. do that in the public area like you're, you're just not if you're wanting to visit games come and like just see things and not necessarily play but just go and like soak in the atmosphere you can easily spend two days and not see the same thing twice it is oh, that big it is i've not and, genuinely like, i wasn't expecting it to be that and big. you can go to the merch hall and buy lots of merch if yes you want. which you I, did finally i've been wanting the yarn yoshi amiibo for ages mm -hmm. and i finally got one so now i have this little pink phone. and it was cheap as well wasn't it it was 10 pounds or 10 euros 
That's actually really good. Yeah. So I'm trying to get it in the. Candle. You can join our amiibo collection with our. Um, oh, you can't see it over there, but we've got the Splatoon guy. We've got the 8-bit Mario, 16-bit Mario, and the Tears of the Kingdom one. Oh, so you could do. You could like t stick that in there. Stick it in there. Stick it in the white. Well, maybe not because you'll end up before, unplugging it. Well, um, you should know. Um, no, he can. He can sit here for now. It makes a nice change to the to having a wiglet behind you. <laughs> Don't. I mean, it's that's the, there. You can't see it, but it's no. there. So anyway, I guess we should talk about the games that we, we actually should talk saw. about the games. Yes, we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about Clone later as well, and what we think of Clone. But let's get into the games. What was the first? Well. Should we talk about our favourite games that we played? Also, sure. Let's go straight in. What was your number one game that you saw slash played? My number one game was Black Myth Wukong. So this game was announced a couple of years ago. It's by a Chinese developer called Game Science, and it is essentially a Souls-like kind of game. Based on Journey to the West, which is a classical Chinese novel. Got a hole in my t-shirt already. <gasps> wow. Sorry, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I am shocked shocked and appalled. Gamescom. Well, the quality. Anyway, yeah, Terrible sorry. We're Black Mythy Wukong. <laughs> um, so it was announced a couple of years ago, and we haven't seen a huge amount about it. It's just every year they have shown a new trailer with a little bit of, you know, a little bit more gameplay. And it looks incredible. You're playing as this this monkey with a bow staff, um, these incredible looking bosses, most of which are anthropomorphic animals. Um, yeah, I think they all were. Like wolves and monkeys and insects. And Is it caterpillar? Centipede. Centipede. Uh, Tiger. So it, it's always looked really, really cool in trailers. And there was a new trailer for it at opening night live, which I guess we should say starts off Gamescom. So that's mm -hmm. Tuesday night. Jeff Keighley hosts it. Opening Night Live, they show off some new games, most of which are then at Gamescom. Mm. And this was one of them. And in the run-up to Gamescom, like, no one has played this game before, apart from IGN, who got an exclusive on Monday, last week. Um, no one else has been able to play it. We didn't know it was going to be at Gamescom. But then it was at Opening Night Live, and then it turns out at Gamescom, there was a big stall for it in the public area, but nothing in the business area. So no one had an appointment. No one was able to go and play it as, as a press, you know, as press or media. And I saw it and was like, I have to play that. I have, I've seen the trailers. I know I want to play that. Yeah. If there's one thing I play this weekend, it has to be that. So you went over. So I went over and I tried to, you know, play the press card. Um, this was at the end of the day on Wednesday, mm -hmm. which was a press day any or media day anyway. Yeah, there's no public in on a Wednesday. And I thought maybe at the end of the day, you know, it might be a bit quieter. And so I go to the back and the queue is closed and they're like, yeah, it's a three hour wait. And this is at like five. So like, you're just not going to get in. Mm. Um, and I try to, you know, flash my badge and say, look, I'm here as press. Is there, you know, any opportunities for press? And they're like, no, it's public only. So there's, there's nothing there's you no can PR, do. There's no PR, is there? No, exactly. They, I think they just brought it over for the public to play it and that was that. So there was no, no way of playing it apart from to queue up with the public. And I thought, look, I'm chock full of meetings. I have no time to do this. I don't know when I'm going to get to play it. So we decided, right, this was Wednesday. So on Thursday, we decided, right, we're going to get up super early Thursday. And we're just going to go straight in and just join the queue. 
and I had a meeting at 10 and I think the earliest I could get in was nine. The demo is half an hour. So it was like, as long as the queue isn't more than half an hour mm. at that point, let's just do it and play it. Um, we actually got there about 8.40 and that's when you went in first Then I had to wait. Yep. I was like, okay, fine. I'll go in because we were going to go even earlier, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we had breakfast and whatever. Yep. Um, so anyway, he let me through. We ran to the queue. They hadn't opened it yet, but there was a queue already. Yeah, that's so how we basically it was. got. I think maybe the last two PCs. It was all on PC. Yeah, I think we got the last two places in PC um, in that first section that went round. Yeah, from the queue. So we got to play it and finally got to play it before anyone else. So I very quickly wrote up a preview, which you can go and read in Eurogamer. But you don't I want figured, to. You want to hear about it here, of course. But also go and read that later. Yeah, I figured a lot of other journalists would be too busy or wouldn't want to queue. So I was like, right, I'm going to make the effort to go and play it. Mm. Um, and I'm so glad I did. I can't stop thinking about that game. I, like the demo was half an hour. It was four bosses that you just selected from a menu. Yeah. And you got a stamp for each one that you collected. So that's the other thing is that people wanted to queue again yeah. to get four stamps. And then you got some extra merch or something. Mm. So I think it was badges for your cap. Yes, because they gave they, you a cap. They gave you a cap, and then you got badges to like sew onto your cap. Mm. Um, so it was basically just four bosses. That's all it was. So in terms of how much of a Souls like is this game, we still don't really know because in terms of exploration between bosses, mm. you know, does it have that typical maze like folding back on itself structure? You know, what currency do you collect? Does it do you lose it when you die? How do you level up? How do you customize your character? All those sorts of things that are very typical of Souls games, we still don't really know. But we do know what combat's like. We do know what the bosses are like. And it's fucking cool. So I got to see three of the bosses. I think you did two. I, yes, I only saw, yeah, there were four and I did two. I completed the first one. First one, which was the cap centipede. centipede. Not capabilities, giant centipede. It's like an underground Poisonous. area sort of skeletons and skulls and you drop down into this arena and there's this huge pile of bones yeah. and when you walk up to it this centipede kind of bursts out of it and yeah. starts chasing I've you. noticed the, the first the, those two bosses I found they love to do like an attack immediately so you oh, can yeah. immediately lose half your health within if you're not like you haven't got your wits about you and you're not expecting it um, they don't you know they don't stalk you to start with well those yeah. two didn't um, but yeah so do you want to talk about like the le before going to that? Do you want to talk about like the different leveling that you can do in it, like the the different skill switching? Which I don't think you did though, did you? Well, that's the thing. I didn't do that because each boss they gave you a slightly different loadout. So the way combat works, you're playing as this monkey. He has a bow staff, but there are three different stances, which is effectively sort of where he's holding it. Yeah, so, similar to Neo. Similar to Neo. Um, I actually can't. Hang on. Oh no, I didn't. No. I did write them down. I made notes on my phone. Let me double check. So yeah, you've got the, the three different stances, but you go to these shrines and at the shrine you can rest, obviously. I didn't write them down. Okay. That was silly. Um, so three stances. There's one that is like a sort of, you like crawls to the top of the pole and like perches on it and then slams down. Okay. There's one that's like thrusting. So you, I guess you're holding the pole at the bottom uh, and sort of poking away, which I particularly enjoyed poking bosses from a distance. I bet. And then there was another one that was sort of holding it in the middle, I guess, that was more of a sort of powerful attacks. Yeah. Um, and you switch between the different stances. But the monkey also has magic abilities. And each boss, they gave you different magic abilities to test them out. Yeah. But then as you found out, 
there's the shrines that all sort of incense shrines. Yeah. Which is where you check, essentially like a bonfire, I presume. It's like a checkpoint and you can change your loadout, which you did. Yeah, I did. Uh, did I level up? I don't think I... I don't think I saw a level up button uh, option because I'm kind of confusing it with another game that we played. But the, um, but yeah, I, I switched out a couple of them. But some of the ones that were there were actually really good. The ones that were like default seemed to be great. Mm. However, there was one... So they there seems to be like a defensive one, an attack one, and then like a super one. There's in magic abilities. Yeah, magic abilities. So there's... Well, the, the defensive one was like a shield that if they hit you when you've got the shield activated, it kind of stuns it which was really useful. Was that the stone one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a really useful one, but you had to kind of, you had to use it when it was, when you were about to be hit. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Yes. Um, which you guess you didn't. Uh, no, no, but I know what that ability is. From okay. Something else. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There are, it's similar to one in, uh, well, actually no, it's not Final Fantasy 14, but there is a few where you have to kind of use it when you're about to be hit. But yeah, there's, yeah, you can choose, and there's some where you kind of, you freeze the one in, you freeze the enemy and yeah, immobilize, you freeze them in place. And then there's one where there was like a circle of fire that you put in the ground. So whenever it comes over to you, it, it takes damage, I believe. I didn't really use that. I didn't either. My favorite one was, well, my two favorite ones that I actually don't think you use necessarily. There was one called Cloud Step that was like a last minute dodge, but sort of in smoke. And then you, it had like a follow-up attack that was really powerful. Mm. So that was like a really cool extra dodge, which was useful. And then there was one called Red Mist that transforms you into a different character I and you become this like wolf master yeah, with fire I feel, attacks. I feel that red mist one is one that maybe is a permanent, I don't know, it feels like it was so powerful. It was like becoming a different thing. Well, I think there are story reasons for it that we yes. don't know about. Yeah, yeah. So I think there are various magic abilities where you transform into a different character. Yeah. Of which that's one of them. And my other one that, oh my God, what was I going to say? Yeah, the there's another one where if you where you could dodge, but you leave like a a mirror image of yourself there, so that all the you know that decoy. takes all the heat. Yeah, decoy, pretty much. You know, from uh, like in Apex Legends, so you leave the decoy because one the one of the reasons why I brought up this before we start talking about the centipede was that halfway through they just swarm these poisonous like little mini centipedes coming towards you hmm. and every and i like on the third go i'm like these are just annihilating me i can't dodge them i can't so i went and switched to that one and thought oh, i wonder if i save that spell because it's you don't want to be using your spells all the time because you can't they're on a they, cool well they're on a cooldown they are and some of them are on a big cooldown um and they don't reset when you like lose a but in a boss or if you uh beat a boss or whatever like they they're permanent. Like, you know, it's the two minute, three minute cooldown sometimes for big ones. And they'll be there even if you die. Like the red I mist thing. I didn't notice that, but okay. Well, the red mist thing, when I died, I went and came back to the shrine and it was still cooling down, oh. um, which was a bit annoying, especially when I had like three minutes left of the demo. And I'm like, damn it, I need to have that back because I can defeat it then. Um, but yeah, so they were all swarming and I thought, okay, I'll do, use the decoy. And I used the decoy and managed and all of those enemies plus the main centipede all the uh, poisonous centipedes, little ones, and the big one just went for my decoy. And I was able to just kind of run, dodge, quickly dodge the ones that were moving and then wait for them all to just kind of, you know, have their attack spent on the decoy. And then I could go back. But the I thing just, is, it glitched. I just ran away. It glitched then. But then the game glitched because oh. that was halfway through. And then the centipede, um, the main one, just stood there while I attacked it and got it down to zero health. Just Gosh. literally did not damage me at all. Yeah. So I was quite happy with that. Yeah. So the centipede was poisonous. It had sort of claw attacks. It also had a rolling attack, which reminded me of that 
like dragon boss in 16. Oh, it reminded me of a 14, Final Fantasy 14 boss uh, where you're in the sunken temple of Quan and it's just kind of comes straight at you and then hits the wall and then goes off in the other direction. But yeah, sure. So yeah, you have to you have to roll precisely basically to to get out of the way of that. And I think dodging is quite a sort of key mechanic in this game. Um, as with all Souls games, you have your stamina meter, which you use up when you when you dodge or when you attack. So you've got to manage that. But it felt quite generous in terms of dodging yeah. and movement. So I feel like it's it's a game that is very much about dodging and and movement and being. I mean, you're a monkey. You you know mm. you want to be acrobatic. Yeah. Um, it's not there to like shield or I think no. there is a parry, but I didn't use it. Um, so you're not there to shield. It's there to move and dodge and, and move around. Only that spell that I have. And you said there was a, it's, it's used from somewhere else, that shield. Well, the third boss, which I got to, which was my favorite one, was this tiger. And the tiger uses that ability. And from what I understand in the game, when you defeat the tiger, that's when you get that ability. Oh, so these spells you might get from defeating the bosses. Yes. Ooh, I like that. I wonder if that's going to be like their version of leveling up. Maybe there isn't any leveling up and you just gain things from beating bosses that could be interesting isn't that does Sekiro do similar mm, no. maybe not like gaining that but they didn't level up did they not quite so the centipede was the first boss the second one was this sort of snowy area mm. um on top of a mountain and the boss was a monkey with another monkey it was and i so one thing i love about the bosses in this they don't feel unachievable even from the first attack like even from mm. the first time you face it so I was playing, like, I played Dark Souls boss, and there's another, yeah, well, actually, no, it was a different thing. But I was playing, whenever I play Dark Souls boss or an Elder Ring boss, something like the first time I might get it down to, if I'm lucky, like, three quarters of its health is left. Sometimes it's like I, I hit, get, like, two hits before it's murdered me, and I'm like, okay, I need to learn these patterns. Yeah. Whereas that, it was, it felt a little bit more generous. Like, both bosses that I faced, the first time I uh, faced them, I got them down to half health easily. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is achievable. And yeah, the first boss, I, I know it glitched halfway through when I faced it, but that was like the third or the fourth try. And then the monkey boss, I was trying so many different things each time. And the third time I faced, so, so the first time I actually got it to really low. Second time I got it to like one hit away. Um, and also I wasn't quite sure of the phase, like the other monkey phase that it, come, that it turns into. Because I didn't realize that when that, when you die as that, you know, monkey phase, it reverts you just straight back to your original. Whereas I thought, I'm like, oh, if I die as this monkey, is that me dead? So I was like... What monkey? What? Well, you know, you become the red mist. We'll call it red mist. It's a wolf. What? The red mist. You become a wolf. You become a wolf. I can't remember. There it was very early in the morning. Yes. So as the wolf, I didn't realize that I, when my health goes to zero as a wolf, you revert back to the monkey. Mm. So my health was going really far down. So I was looking for a moment to kind of pause and like force it to reset back to the monkey. And yeah, I ended up dying. But if I'd realized I'd have, I'd have beaten that. But the third time I faced it, I destroyed it. Like I was melting it with all the attacks because I had everything ready. All of my cooldowns were there. And yeah, I pretty much melted it. And then all of a sudden it just disappeared. And then went off to a different area in the temple, like a more central area where I had like a phase two and it had gained back to 50% health and was really, really aggressive and... Secret second phase. Exactly, I was about to say, because you didn't have that. Well, no, I took my time. Um, 
chipping away. <laughs> yeah, just poking away. Yeah. Like, honestly, that thrust move, I think, was the best stance because when it's poised to attack you, you just thrust and it goes and falls <laughs> back um, on the ground. You can get a couple more hits in. Mm. So it's this monkey and like just the way that it moved and you moved, the snow is dynamically moving around you and being thrown up and it's got all these ice attacks and... I forgot about magic until like two thirds down. Then was like, oh, I used the red mist. Then was like, oh, wait, fire against snow. Of course, that's going to go well and ended up killing it quite easily that time. Um, but yeah, that it was it was a really, really cool boss. Interesting seeing that like, yeah, if you melt the boss, if you attack, if you are too strong, it will like activate a second phase. Yeah. I thought that was really, that's has also, that happened before in others? Not that I can think of, but I think that's, that's a nice way of maintaining the challenge of this game. I mean, you've said that like they felt achievable. I think you and I generally like. I mean, I've maybe played more Souls games than you. I am but terrible at games. You are very good at games. No, that's not what I mean. But we we both play a lot of games. We've both played Souls games. For me, it felt like it was just a nice level of challenge. It wasn't like yeah. wow, these are impossible, but it wasn't easy. Um, I felt like these were achievable bosses that yeah. with a few goes you could absolutely do it and if they were I'm fun saying, to try if i'm saying they're achievable then they are achievable yeah so <laughs> but i wonder how many of the bosses there are because they will yeah if they're only like two or three tries each time does that mean there are like 50 of them who knows like well who are knows? they smaller bosses are there going to be some massive massive ones that you know take a long time and these are just kind of minor sub bosses probably. i think these are probably quite fairly major because they were they were named so they're not mini bosses; they're they're named bosses, and they might be more difficult in the final game. Um, yeah, the the loadout they give you, like I said, I had that stone skin spell, yeah, but you technically won't get that until you've defeated the tiger. Yeah, I so wonder. they probably gave you a loadout from later in the game to make it easier. Yeah, so, so maybe actually, yeah, maybe we game. do play it, and it's like, oh, this yeah. is really difficult. So that was the first two bosses. The third one was then this tiger, and it was in the crouching tiger temple, and um, you climb up these steps. And into this into this temple, and there's dead bodies and blood everywhere. And then you enter, and the the tiger is kind of poised in front of this pool of what you think is water. And then you realize, no, it's a pool of blood, and it's like lapping away like a cat at this pool of blood. And just honestly, it, the so it's made in Unreal Engine five, which is the latest Unreal Engine. So graphically as well, this game looks incredible. And just the fur texture on this tiger and the way the blood was dripping off it, which sounds gross, but just the detail on it was incredible. Um, and the tiger sort of mocks you for being a monkey. And then you battle and you battle in this pool of blood. And again, the water is moving dynamically as you're circling each other. And it's so fluid and acrobatic and smooth. And the controls are really responsive. Like it feels so good to play mm -hmm. this game. The combat is amazing. It looks incredible. And like I said, it's the Chinese developer. It's based on a Chinese novel. So it feels very sort of Chinese fantasy folklore, wuxia kind of vibes. Like it's just, it's just so fucking cool. I, and hearing about your experience playing it and the way that you changed the loadout, mm. I'm now like, oh, what if I'd use that spell? And I'm, I'm still thinking about it and still thinking I want to do these bosses. I want the demo so, to come out. <laughs> these bosses are so dramatic as well. Just yeah. The, the build up to them. It's just, it's not just... You know, you, oh, here's a map. You know, in a Dark Souls game, you you can see here's a massive arena. Okay, there's going to be a boss. Fine. It's yeah. kind of a bit obvious. This felt like there was a really nice setup and it felt really dramatic. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was just so intense. Um, there was then a fourth boss that neither of us got to. But apparently that but, was. Well, I heard that one was easier, mm. but it 
said underneath that the, the length of that was longer because I think there was slightly more of the level before it, so okay. we wouldn't have had time to play it. But I am I am desperate to play more of this game. It's we'll get onto it. We've played some other Souls likes um, over Gamescom, Gamescom. Yeah. but for me, Black Myth Wukong was the best Souls like I played. And it's the best game that I played. Like, I, I think it's out next year, so it's still a way off. But I cannot wait to play more of it. Yeah, same. And yeah, it, it feels like one that I would actually really get into. Uh, whereas Dark Souls games, I've kind of dropped off a little bit. Elden Ring was definitely the most approachable for me. Um, I don't know, but then now I've put it down for a while. I don't think I'd be able to get back into it. We'll see. Um, but you yeah, should. this one, very, very, it didn't take long for me to kind of pick up the controls. Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah, that was Black Myth Wukong and is out next year. At some point. I'm not even sure what console. I mean, we played it on PC. So yeah. we'll find out soon. Who knows? What was your favorite game, Ben? My favorite game was, and it was one that I didn't play, uh, The Plucky Squire. Mm. And I thought I'd written notes, but realized I just sent you a six minute voice clip. You so did. you know what I think of it i've kind of forgotten what i think of it so you're gonna to have to interview me uh about this okay so who's it by um, I, don't, I don't want quiz questions okay, i want great. Uh, opinions when is it out it's, well, it's devolver it okay was, published by I, devolver i think we both loved uh we both loved plucky squire ever since we saw it i mean i remember staying up for the devolver digital showcase a couple of years ago it was like round e3 time and they showed yeah, Plucky Squire and Cult of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is worth staying up to 3 a.m. for. This is pretty yeah. awesome. These Devolver are great. a great publisher. They are. They're really just fun. Mm. They they do interesting indie games, but kind of make them stand out properly. Um, I will say, I can't remember the name of the developer, but I believe it's a guy who used to work for Pokemon. Ooh. So that's why the design of this game is, like the sort of cartoon design is is like it is because he uh, used to work on Pokemon. Yeah, it is uh, the developer is All Possible Futures. Yeah, this is it's a new developer. By founder which is founded by James Turner and Jonathan Bibble. And Turner, James Turner was a designer for Pokemon and directed the art for the game Pokemon Sword and Shield. There you go. Um but yeah, let me just quickly type because I I need to get the name of the person that showed me um that showed me it because I was having a great little time. Uh, this is embarrassing it was james turner who was sat there wow giving me the walkthrough wow and you didn't know who he was no but i was like he he knew he just he spoke so well he you know when you know someone is like that person is incredibly knowledgeable and excellent at what they do Mm -hmm. every word he said was really interesting and it was just so yeah well plucky squire i think we've said before we're looking forward to that game we think it's looks incredible i'm jealous that you've seen it it's like three times as good as what you might expect so give me the basic rundown what kind of game is it what does it look like how does it play so you you start off as like your plucky squire you are this character in a uh in a book but then you become sentient to and aware that you are actually just a person in a book uh you're just a character in a book and you've got your companions with you and one of the first things that we saw in the demo was one of your companions being like Oh, guess I'm a, a side character. Didn't, th- you know, I guess I'm not the main character. And, oh, I thought I'd be a lot cooler. <laughs> and one of the first things that was shown in this demo, which is, I don't think it's been shown. Well, I asked if it's been shown in a trailer and he said it had, but so briefly, I don't think anybody had picked up on it, 
One of the things you can do, one of the puzzles in the game, is that you can remove words from the book and move them around to get through. So for once, uh, for one instance, there's you need to get past this giant frog. And it goes, oh, alas, there was a giant frog uh, in the way. And you can knock it and the word giant comes away. Or huge, I think it was. So then you go and find other words in this book because it's a, at this point it's 2D um, and you're like so playing like, literally in a book. Like top-down adventure. Yeah, Zelda. Sort of Zelda in okay. that case, in that part it is. And then you can find the word. There are two words that would fit in there. One of them is tiny, which is the correct one. And the other one was deflated or uh, drained because it was like the, the swamp had been drained or the sink had been drained. And you could put drained in there and it changes the frog to just like this kind of deflated bouncy castle. You still can't get past it, but it just, they've added that just because you, because it's be, funny. Yeah, because it's funny. And then you change it to tiny and you can get past. But it's got, it's got such great humor. There was one character in it. Um, oh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but that only speaks in rhyme. And yeah, I'm trying to think, oh, it's annoying because I wish I'd written down all the notes, but I didn't have my notes with me because I was just engrossed by it. Mm. But there were just so many different tiny things in that, like that game doesn't tend to stick with one style for more than five minutes. It'll then just go into something different. So you mentioned, yeah, there's a Zelda part pretty much where you're going in, you're there with your knife or whether with your sword, attacking things that are coming towards you and you need to activate switches to go to certain areas. But because it takes place in a book and literally you are looking at it from the, like from the point of reading a book, there are certain areas in these levels that you can pop out of the book. Mm. And there's quite a few areas. It's not... I thought it might be very strict or they might have certain levels that are parts of this level where you're entirely in a book and then there's some parts where you're out of the book. No, like you can go in and out of this multiple times. So yeah, you can be in your level and you can pop out of that book. You can then go below the book, turn the pages and then pop back in if you need something from a previous page. It is so clever like okay. that. And yeah, just like there's so many different types of combat. There was a fish grabbing game. Where you needed to get a fish grabbing. You you had like a little claw, like well, your hand that was like a bit like a Lego hand, and a like fish. You needed to catch, I think it was three fish, and the fish were like flying over, and you needed to click it and grab it okay. in time. There was a um, there was like a a two D platforming bit where you had to kind of jump on these enemies while kind of making sure you didn't fall off it. One of my favorite bits was you needed a bow. Uh, for a you know a bow and arrow, yeah, but you didn't have a bow, so you had to go and find one. But you had to get out of the book. You then wandered around. This might be a little bit of a spoiler for, but I mean the game has got all these. There's a hundred. So hang of on, these. when you say you get out of the book, you pop yourself out of the book because there are certain kind of, um, oh, what would we call them? Just Portal? like little graphics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like little portals in the ground. And is then, that where it becomes 3D? Yeah. And then it becomes 3D. You pop out of the book. But then you can also... So obviously you pop out of the book and you think, oh, the book is the only thing that you're going to be 2D in. But no, you can be 2D in other things in this boy's bedroom. And I asked and there is... No, well, so you can then... There might be a kid's drawing in there that's just like on the side. Or it might be a kid's drawing that the kid's drawn a castle or something has a picture of it. You can then go into that. So I got my way to like the top of this bedroom uh, or the top of this desk by literally just platforming, jumping around and, you know, in 3D. And then the bow was in a like Magic the Gathering-esque card. But there was this elf woman okay. 
who had a big bow, really glamorous, uh, kind of Magic the Gathering-esque style, completely different style to the to a cartoon. Um, very kind of, you know, like the AI generated, it wasn't, but that kind of art. Yeah. And, but she's in this like, yeah, Magic the Gathering-esque card. And then you need to battle her in a, it wasn't in like a Pokemon slash D&D-esque match. Okay. So you've got a picture of her, but it's like you are there and then she is there in front of you, like in a typical Pokemon, uh, Pokemon battle. But you are, but like the text along the bottom narrates what is happening, Mm -hmm. like in a Dungeons and Dragons or TTRPG. So, and there's a lot of talk or battle. It's like fight or talk, which also reminds me of, um, what's it called? The Undertale? um, Undertale. Yeah. So there was like quite a lot of Undertale. And you find, well, I think the person playing it, they battled them down to quite low health. And then we spoke and she's like, oh, no, you're an enemy of an enemy of my enemy is my friend, etc. So we were going to help that. But oh, I wish I could remember more of it. And I've asked for B-roll. So hopefully by the time, well, actually, I don't think I think this will probably go up um, today or tomorrow, which is we're recording this on the Monday. So I don't know if I will have the B-roll ready. I might wait until tomorrow um, just in case. But there's just there are just so many different kind of styles, yet they all work together because it's all set in the world of this boy's bedroom. And I asked, like, is there a story with the boy, like the boy whose bedroom you're in? And he's like, no, it's well, there is, but it's one that you discover. Like you just discover it by going around. It's not a literal. It's like we're not. It's like I didn't create a human. You know, we didn't put a human being in this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, in this in this thing, you're just running around. I did ask as well how long it would be. And he said five to seven hours. Perfect. Which is, yes. <laughs> That's a lovely well, afternoon of play. He didn't, I don't want to say, I don't want to say he said it is five to seven hours, but he's like, we haven't, we're still working on it. Yeah. So yeah. they don't know how long, but I think that was their target or it's, you know, under 10 hours Yeah, is what I got from it. So a couple of evenings. Um, and he was like, yes, yes. So that, I don't know if that would appeal to people more, the fact that it's quite short like that, but also because it changes he said he doesn't want it to just they don't want to create filler for it um so being able to have it like that you can kind of i got the impression that they can keep things fresh quite often it's concise yeah and that's how games should be i don't need collectathons and no and there's a not load that. of padding like just give me good ideas interesting puzzles mm-hmm. it sounds like it is pretty zelda-esque but yeah i love that you can pop out of the 2d world and become outside of the book in a 3d yeah. world and then you can go into 2d on other things like there was a castle that you entered i think the kid if i can remember and rightly the kid had created a, a some kind of like cardboard castle and you'd gone in you went into that cardboard castle and you could like kind of walk around the walls on the outside like as in mary Odyssey. yeah um so yeah, there was just so it was just, and it was so beautiful as well. Uh, it seemed quite tricky. I did ask about the difficulty. Apparently, there's going to be a story mode and an adventure mode. They were playing in adventure mode, and mm-hmm. yeah, she, poor uh, the poor girl who was doing it was uh, dying a few times because I think it was. Well, I mean, she she was having three people watching her. I mean, <laughs> which definitely yeah. doesn't help. Awkward. But it, uh, yeah, it, and I'm guessing they haven't kind of fine tuned the difficulty as well. They will do. It was. Yeah, it was just a really exciting game. It's one that I just, I'm dying to play. I, 
think I'd be like, mm, do I want to save this for like over a couple of days and really enjoy it? Or will I be like, no, I, I can't stop playing this. I need to play this for the entire time. I, I think finish I it. will play that in one go and just go through mm. it. I think, to be honest, I love that. With Excuse me. Especially this year when there's like Baldur's Gate and yes and and tis the kingdom and all these other games that are like hundreds of hours long to just enjoy a game for an afternoon and be done with it and be like that was mm. a great experience i'm yeah. totally fine with that and he's got great humor uh i love the all of the characters are voice acted and yeah it's just a really cute game and i'm sure there's gonna be something i've forgotten about that i mentioned in your voice message there any things that you remember i don't remember your voice message wow um, I enjoyed listening to it at the time yeah. and thought, yeah, I'm really jealous that you saw that and I really want to see it myself. But I don't remember what you said. I think you've explained everything. Yeah. Like, honestly, even just from the trailers, I am super excited to play that game. Yeah. And it, like, I think the, the biggest takeaway from me was it's not one mechanic all the way through. Yeah. it's And it's not, the, it's not two like, mechanics. It's not just going into a, you're either in a book or you're out of it doing platforming. No, there's... It plays on everyone's childhood, kind of. Yeah. With all the styles. Like every playing. page of the book is something different. Yeah, exactly. And that's what they said. Like they didn't want... And that's one of the things. And the, oh, one thing they did say was like, how do we create scale in this? Like if... Because they're kind of consigned to a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do they make it so that... Like the book is always going to be the same size. And it's like, oh, we just make it smaller. So you you turn the page and maybe it suddenly zoomed out. And therefore you're able to go into a much larger place so like mm. every turn of the page is a different perspective yeah and i also i just love the fact that because she, she did that i don't think they told us they were about to do it so we were just like what because it was me and a guy i don't know uh where they were from but uh they were just talking with the guy with the developer and yeah we just she was just talking moving it around and popped out the book turned the pages went back into another one got what they needed popped back out went back and i'm like Sorry, what, what just happened then? Like the, this 2D little Zelda character suddenly just leapt out of a book, turned the actual book itself to go and collect what it needed to do. Ah, just mm. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it you will get your Zelda itch scratched because there was definitely a lot I of like... a very big Zelda itch. So. This will scratch it for the evening or two that you play it. Great. Perfect. And the music was fantastic as well, of course. So, yeah, that nice. was the Plucky Squire out also next year. It's been delayed, unfortunately. And that's coming to... Isn't it coming to Switch mm. and and the console? I think it was coming to all of them, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And PC. Yeah. Because I asked and then they read they read them all out and was like, oh, yeah, all of them. <laughs> it sounds like it could be next year's Tunic. Yeah. Like the big indie game that blows up. Yeah. Although I, th- I feel like Tunic might have appeared up nowhere. Whereas this, I think people are... No, no, no. Tunic was a people, long time coming. Yeah. Was... Mm. Just not, I think maybe I just didn't care about it. Well, that says more about you than anything else, I think. It does. Okay, let's go and talk about something that we also both played mm-hmm. that I think you is more your thing, but I also actually enjoy playing it. Lords of the Fallen. Hey, another Souls like. Another Souls like. <laughs> it genuinely was. Like I I had to, I felt a bit guilty because I was talking with him and I kept referring to, him as, referring to it as Souls-like and I'm like, maybe they're wanting a different identity but then I'm re- looking at it and playing it being like, this is Dark Souls. I think they know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, look, let's tick off, tick off uh, two Souls-likes because we both played Lords of the Fallen and then afterwards I also played Lies of P. Well, so I can yes. tell you a bit about that as well. Okay, gosh, yeah, this 
embargo is a little bit later for Lords of the Fallen. But we can put both together. Yeah, yeah. So Lords of the Fallen originally came out a few years ago. And this is kind of a remake, but it's more of a reboot. Yeah. Um, it's the same name, same kinds of ideas, but as a as a brand new game. I I didn't play the original. Mm. Um, I actually have it. I think it was PS3. Oh, wow, so that's been a while. Or Xbox 360. Or maybe it was PS4, actually. I can't quite remember. No, I thought PS4, but it was, but we'll it was a PS Plus game. So I have it somewhere, and I just didn't get around to playing it. Oh, it came out in 2014, so that's PS3. A PS4, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's been around for a while. I don't think it's sold amazingly well. So now they are rebooting it as a new game, but similar sorts of ideas. It's also on iOS and Android. There you go. Wow. It is a Souls-like game, mm. and it is... Literally Dark Souls, basically. It is dark, twisted fantasy. It's taking all of the typical Dark Soulsy kind of gameplay and just doing it with a new name. And in some ways, that makes it incredibly derivative. On the other hand, it's still really good at what it does. And I still think it's really fun. It's really playable. Um, and it does have some of its own new ideas as well, which I guess we'll get to. But... It's a Souls game. The controls are immediately familiar. The world feels familiar. It's that twisted, dark kind of vision, nightmarish. Mm. Um, you've got your different classes you choose from. Yeah, what do you think to the different classes? Because you can choose them and then it changes your entire character, like your silhouette, your size, like it becomes something completely well, different. Well, there's a whole character creator as well. Yeah. Um, I just went for the basic soldier melee kind of class that's what they recommended for me as well yeah because it's just easier to get into so sword and shield and yeah the basically what we played was the beginning of the game so there was a lot of it was the training area there was a lot of explanation um did you understand all the explanation in the tutorials i mean a lot of it just kind of was obvious and made sense to me as a souls player mm. um there was some other stuff that was more complicated that we can explain in a minute but um it's yeah it's just it's basic soul stuff really you you collect currency from from enemies that you kill you use that to level up in, in each of the individual stats you've got a bonfire equivalent you've got bosses Leveling that up. are tricky um yeah, you level up your strength or your stamina and then it affects certain stats did you level up yeah okay of course i just didn't know yeah um and yeah, it's it just it feels immediately very very soulsy. Yeah, the extra twist is that there's another world, which is kind of this, I guess, sort of world of the dead. I want to say I don't know exactly what it is. The umbral world, I think it is. And you have a a lantern that you can use to shine over the world, and it will show you what is in the mirror world. Mm. So it might be that maybe there's a big chasm that you can't cross, and then you shine your light, and you can see other platforms or another way mm. so you can then travel to the other world um in order to traverse the environment but if you stay there for too long this is what i found out other weird things start to happen and other enemies come up and yeah so i stayed happen. i stayed in the other world for a bit too long because i wasn't quite sure how to get out of it because you can only get out of it at certain areas mm. uh, or certain points and i wasn't really i was it, it was confused me a little bit some of the controls and that and I didn't get to the point, or I think I was really close to the point. I think I was actually at the point where you do change, but I wasn't quite sure of the button uh, or what, because there are various buttons when it comes to, or various controls when it comes to 
you know, dealing with that kind with that part of the world. And yeah, all of a sudden something just appeared out of the ground and started attacking me. And I did literally like no damage to it whatsoever. Managed to dodge it a fair bit, uh, but then it hit me once, immediately dead. I'm like, oh, it just felt a bit like the butcher, you know, kind of. Yeah. And apparently that was just when you're in there too long. Because I spoke to one of the devs, or the, I think it was the art director. And I was like, oh, what was that thing there? That red thing that popped up? And he was like, how long were you in the uh, <laughs> in the umbral realm or whatever it's called? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I think, I think I was in there for a bit too long. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's quite interesting. But apparently like if you, it is beatable. And if you beat it, you get amazing loot. They oh, said. of course. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a challenging Souls game in itself. But for me the challenge comes from navigating this dual world and sort of understanding your way around it. And I think that, as you said earlier, is what they don't, I don't think it explains that well how to traverse between them and what no. you get from each. It wasn't I played it, super clear. I played it for like 45 minutes and I think I needed a bit, quite a bit more time to kind of get to grasp with what it was because there was bits where you found bodies, you like pulled things out of. Yeah, so you can use the lantern to basically attach to the souls of enemies. Sorry, there's a fly next to me. Um, and you can then like yank the soul from people and like attack the soul, yeah. which then does more damage to them. Um, so you can use the lantern in, in both realms to do different things, mm. which, yeah, feels quite complicated. I think it's maybe the developer thinking we need to add some complexity to this to... Yeah differentiate ourselves from souls because otherwise it, it works very very similarly to a souls game it's got a sort of looping environment and you unlock shortcuts as you go oh, did you, i didn't go to any shortcuts yeah so you, it sort of does that and then eventually i could see this archway leading to a big arena and i was like oh i think there's a boss there and how um, was your time with the boss because right? i beat the training boss yeah, yeah, did that too. And then you die on another one, yeah. um, which you're meant to. It's fine. Um, so yeah, there was a, a German guy next to me who I think must have been a sort of influencer and he had his, his friends filming him playing it. And I think he must have got to the boss quicker than me because I could hear him shouting like, Meladia, Meladia. And I was like, oh, okay, mm. um, as in from Elden Ring. So I think he was struggling with the boss a bit. Um, so eventually I saw this arena and was like, okay, cool. We've got a boss coming. So we go in and it's this sort of female soldier with a massive spear sort of swiping away at you. And I was like, okay, dodging behind, stab. Not too difficult. Mm. A nice level of challenge. Halfway through, she transforms. Huge wings. She's flying around. Like arrows falling down. Like huge light-based attacks. All this stuff. Um, so I died. That's Sadly. Awesome. Sadly. Um, went back to the checkpoint. Your bonfire equivalent. How went, far is it from the... Not far. Okay, It good. was literally around the corner. Good. And outside there was the equivalent of summons. So in the Souls games, you can summon NPCs to come and help you. And this, again, has the same thing. So I summoned a guy to come in and help. He died during the first phase, which I'd got through already. I was like, great, thanks for your help, mate. But it helped me a little bit, I guess, just to get through yeah. it quicker. She transforms... And I managed to get her down to literally one hit and she killed me. And I was like, no, and kind of put the controller down. However, when you die in this game, in when you're in the real world, it takes you to the umbral world. Mm. And you can then continue in the umbral world. And if you kill the boss, 
it takes you back to the normal world. Yeah. And I realized the first time I did the boss, I was still in the Umbral world because I'd been in, like you, mm -hmm. I got lost and didn't yeah. know how to get out. So I was in it. So I basically died straight away. But had I got to her and the second time in the normal world, mm. when I died, I then could continue, but in the Umbral world instead. So I could then literally just run up and quickly stab her and kill her. So I managed to do it. And what did they say? Oh, no, they just said, well done. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was Liza P, wasn't it? Where, yeah. That's what I was getting to. So, so I managed to defeat the boss. I was like, do you know what? I've got another meeting in a minute, so I need to, I need to head. So I ended it at that point. But it was great fun. Great fun. Like I said, it feels like a Souls game. Yeah. That is, I guess, a blessing and a curse in that it feels familiar. It feels comforting. As a Souls fan, this is something you can just drop into. You know exactly what you're going to get. You know exactly what the controls are. And you can just jump in and enjoy it. And that's great. I don't think it... Like, the extra Umbral World thing adds complexity. I don't know if that's quite enough for it to stand out and no. seem like an original game. But it's still really fun yeah, to play. It really is. And it looks gorgeous as well. Yeah, you say it's Unreal Engine. That yeah. is also Unreal Engine, yeah. So, yeah, to me, it... Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, it yeah. kind of looks to me like how Elden Ring should have looked. <laughs> Was it? Oh, I'm trying to think, was it Lords of the Fallen where they were talking about they were using certain things from the Matrix? Did they bring that up with you? I have no idea. You know the Matrix um, demo, Unreal Engine 5? Yep. I'm not going to say any more because it might not be Lords of the Fallen, but there was a game that used UE5 that you... No, it wasn't. It wasn't them. It was something, it was something else. It was... Um, uh, what I'm a bulwark, Falconer Chronicles, that used the Matrix ah, stuff. Interesting, but yeah, um, but yeah. So that was Lords of the Fallen. Lords of the Fallen. But let's finish. Let's tie it up with your Liza P. Yes. So just to just to tick off the last remaining Souls like, because look, I like a Souls game, right? Yeah, and I, I just happen to have seen yeah. three of them. <laughs> you are a glutton for punishment and you get very, very angry. And I'm so glad that you're currently playing Sea of Stars right now, which sounds like a much calmer game. Well, Armored Core is to come. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I wish you had the physical one so I could hide it. <laughs> I can literally like hide it and allow it when I'm out. Can you, sure. can you do that? Can you just only play Armored Core when I'm out the house? No, oh. I'll play it whenever I damn well feel like it. Damn it, I'm going to. <laughs> so Liza P... Um, I got to play it. Now, I already played the demo that came out a couple of months ago, which they released to the public. So I think quite a lot of people have played it. And I think a lot of people bounced off it because Liza P is, P is Pinocchio. Yeah. And it's this Belle Epoque era fantasy kind of Victorian style city. And you're playing as Pinocchio. It has a very bloodborne feel and look to it, which makes it feel like it's, like Lords of the Fallen is to Dark Souls, Liza P kind of is to Bloodborne, but it's actually not really. Like it looks a bit Bloodborne-y. And, then... and and uh Black Myth is to Sekiro? Mm, to me, Black Myth feels the most original. Yeah. If I'm honest. Um Liza P, it looks more Bloodborne-y, but actually I think it it look you can you can dodge. But you can also parry in Liza P. I don't think the parry is very satisfying, but I think that's the way they want you to play it because you can parry all of the bosses and then stun them. And that is that basically is how you get through all the bosses. Okay. And one of the things from the demo a lot of people found is that the dodge is not very good. Um, it's this, it just doesn't feel very responsive. 
It's not quick enough. It just didn't feel good to play. And I was using the dodge a lot and also felt that and then thought, right, I'm going to start parrying instead and realized, okay, actually, I think the parry is what they want you to do. Mm. But a lot of people complained about the dodge. And I think because of that, it's maybe put people off. They, from feedback from the demo, have now changed the dodge. The dodge works as it should. Good. <laughs> so Breaking I got to, play, news. got to play the um, uh, a, a new demo, a different part of the game. The first bit was just in the city. Uh, so I played that for a little bit. And already I could feel the dodge was different. I then jumped to a different save file in the demo, which was in an opera house. It felt very grand and opulent and was really cool. And the PR said to me, look, just run through it quickly. You can dodge all the enemies, just run through it in order to get to the boss and unlock a shortcut, mm. which is what I did and got to the boss, which was this in, in the stage area of the opera house. And there were some puppets on the stage. And then this hulking great beast of a robotic puppet, or I think it was called the, the Puppet King, kind of dropped down. And then it was a boss fight, which was really cool. Was that the person we met? The voice actor? No. Okay. No, different. Um, we met the voice actor of a boss in Liza P. Yes, but that was the the donkey-headed guy. Oh, that was right. Yeah, from donkey the, man. From, which is from the demo, which is much earlier in the game. What okay. I played is a lot later in the game. Gotcha, gotcha. So they'd unlocked loads of different weapons I could try out to see what they were like. Mm. So lots of different swords and great swords, which were a bit slow. So I stuck with the normal swords. So it's me against this boss. And I immediately felt that like the dodge felt better. Good. So it felt so much smoother. It felt a lot more responsive, which was great. Um, I think maybe the second try of this boss, I managed to defeat it. Nice. Excuse me. Did, did you confirm that the... Yeah, you, did you say you confirmed with the guy that they'd fixed the dodge? I had an interview, and yes, I Good. checked that. I have a quote. Mm. On so, Eurogamer. It, yes, it would be on Eurogamer by now. Um, so it was me against the boss, and, and yeah, for me, as I said, st actually standing still and learning to dodge and, and parry, sorry, not dodge the attacks actually is a, is a much more effective strategy. Now, in that sense, in some ways, I'm a slightly disappointed by the boss because that's how I got through the bosses in the demo. Mm. And this is a lot later on, a different boss, and I kind of just use the same strategy of stand beneath it, parry, and stab it in the balls, basically. Because um, you're tiny and just yeah. between its legs, and I'm like, oh, I'll just stab you here. Just like in real life? Exactly. Um, but it was very effective, and it worked. And I got through the boss... And I was like, yes, I did it. Because there was a guy next to me who was really struggling and he literally stopped and put his controller down to watch me play it next <laughs> to him. To work like, out how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it turns out that wasn't the end of the boss because the puppet opens and inside is someone else that you then have to defeat who's obviously incredibly hard. And I got it down a bit of health, but I was struggling by that point because I'd used a lot of my health potions. Yeah. So I struggled. But the director then came up behind me, tapped me on the shoulder um, from Korea. And... Uh, in English, uh, his best English, bless him, was that you're like, you're really good at this. And I was like, oh. me? And he was like, you've got a really good strategy. Like, you're, you know, your strategy is right. No one else is playing it like you. Mm. Which I think, because everyone else is trying to dodge the attacks. And I was like, no, parry them to get the right timing. And I said to him, look, I played the demo. And so I kind of got the gist of it. And I understood that parrying was right. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, good strategy, good strategy. And then if, basically I turn around and I think most of the team were watching me play it to see if I could get to this boss. And I managed to do it another time, but then Aww. didn't get, I again, didn't get through the second phase. 
So I didn't quite fully finish it, which was annoying. But um, but yeah, that was really fun. So and actually, it was interesting because Black. Yeah, I was talking to the developers at uh, Lords of the Fallen, and I was doing, and I I think I'd done some parrying because I'd worked out the smaller enemies are quite easy to parry, mm. and I was doing it. I did like every enemy I faced, I ended up parrying because uh, there was there's this area where there's like four of them, and I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna practice my parry with these ones, and one of the guys behind uh james who i know he was saying like oh great oh, it's great to see you parry no one else is doing it <laughs> like no one else has been playing it and i asked you and you were like nope didn't yeah parry. i didn't I, I tried to parry in laws of the fallen and i really struggled it's very specific it's very precise but it's also yeah. i think it's a lot easier on the smaller enemies probably yeah, yeah. so yeah so your three souls likes basically you've got laws of the fallen which is which is dark souls if you like dark souls you're going to feel absolutely at home there mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a really fun game but is very much within that style. You've got Liza P that I think combat wise is maybe slightly different. I don't think it feels quite as satisfying, but I do think that overall it has a slightly different style. The fact you're playing as Pinocchio, the puppet, um, all of the enemies are mechanical puppet beasts, creatures, creations. Yeah. Um, the way you level up, you have your P organs. Don't laugh. Um, <laughs> which you can which you can swap in and out. So everything feels very mechanical. So it has a very specific theme that everything's tied to, and I like that. Even if combat doesn't, it's better than the demo, but it's not quite as satisfying as it could be. Yeah. And then Black Myth Wukong, that is this Chinese folklore fairy tale fantasy um, with incredible combat and a really really cool sense of style mm. i just don't know what how it plays outside of the bosses but the bosses itself and combat is fucking brilliant excellent brilliant well you've been treated you've been fed i you... have been i ate <laughs> no that's different <laughs> no <sighs> okay so right. well what... wait no there's one more oh there's more so before we go on to like the quick like we're gonna so in a bit we're gonna go through like all the other games quite quickly, but there is one that I got to play. Um, so I got a me- I got an email from this PR company. They were like, "Hey, we've got a bunch of games. Uh, are you free at any at any of these times?" And I was like, "Well, I think I replied quite late, so they there was only one available. Codename Biscuits. Uh, it was. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Signed up for it. I was like, yep, cool, that'll be great. I you know I'll I'll see what it is. It might be interesting and. Yeah, they just said, oh, it's a game by these two developers. And I Googled them and I couldn't find them. I think there was a couple of things on like Itch or Itch.io. And it turned out to be the game that was revealed at opening night live that I lost my shit about. Thank goodness you're here, which is a cartoony looking kind of comedy Yorkshire game. And it is a fully, fully Yorkshire game. The, the two people are friends that met. They're both from Barnsley in Which South is Yorkshire. Where you were born. Which is where I was born. So I was like, when we, when they appeared and I started speaking to one, because I knew it was the same public. Well, after seeing it in Opening Night Live, I knew it was the same PR company. And I was like, that guy's got a Yorkshire accent. I mm. wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. So I said to him, I said, uh, I said to him, I, did. <laughs> I said, are oh, you from Yorkshire? No, no, no. Okay. And uh, so I was like, oh, what game is it? And he was like, oh, it's thank goodness you're here. And I was like, you're joking. You're joking. <laughs> don't need to do it every single time. <laughs> Jesus. Bloody Cockney over here. 
so uh, yeah, I just like taking the piss out of you. Yeah, no, but yeah, thank goodness you're here. I got to play. You're I welcome. Got... Hmm? <laughs> oh God. So you're just I ruining can do this. Bad yeah, you can. As well. You can. Sorry, I'll, so I'll shut up. I now. actually did make notes to this because I wanted to write a lot. I wanted to talk about it because I was just kind of amazed that I was getting to play this. Of all the games to be like that to have a, a random game pop up was the one I was like, yeah, the most excited for after opening night live. Um, but yeah, so opening night live, you play as a little character who I believe has gone to a town. I'm not sure exactly the backstory of it um, because it was kind of, it had started halfway through the game, this, this short demo. And it's kind of like a cute, but funny, mildly offensive adventure game of sorts that's mildly offensive well so what you i'll we'll go on to that part so your character you play as this little very very small cartoon dude um who can only punch and jump that's the only thing you can do you punch and you jump and you can pretty much punch anything you can jump on anything that is the right level obviously but yeah you can even like punch people and they just have like a little quip and stuff like that but it is set in Barnsley, and apparently the Barnsley High Street, or the bar- the old Barnsley Market is the setting for the main area Great in there, which was brilliant. This is their first game together. Uh, really, really nice guys. And yeah, apparently there's a famous comedian that's voicing one of the parts mm. in there that was rather interesting. Is it Peter Kay? It's not. It's a comedian. Oh. Um, yeah, but she was great. But there are like, there's just like lots of Yorkshire references. There are so many things that people won't get. Uh, which I'm intrigued to see. Like, they bring up Ginnell. Now, to those of you, who, the vast majority, I'd be surprised if anybody in, like, watching this knows, a Ginnell is a small alleyway between two houses, a passageway. What do you call them? An, an alleyway? An alleyway. Oh, sounds American. A Ginnell. A Ginnell is, like, just between the houses. It's maybe a little dirt track sometimes. You know, that's that's a Ginnell. Okay, sure. Um, but, yeah, so those. There's like lots and lots of Yorkshire phrases and expressions. And I did ask them, I'm like, are you going to be translating this to other languages? Like, how do you solve that? And they said, well, obviously it's not just the words that you translate. They have to actually write what they mean by that phrase. So if they go, ah, bayek, like that, it's like an exclamation of, uh, you know, you're quite surprised or, you know, you may be a little bit, yeah, exasperated. So they have to explain which i thought was quite interesting um especially when a game has got so much colloquial language as this does um it was yeah so you solve people's problems you go around there is a, a main story to it and for the the main mission i believe that i had to do was go and help the pie shop make pies and because they didn't have any meat oh, no. and they didn't have any pie mix oh no so I had to go around and I had to go and help that. Um, and there was, yeah, there was like one, yeah. It, there were characters interacting with each other, but there are also like little mini side stuff. And I don't know if those, if you have to do those mini side stuff to kind of make the main story go along or if they're just kind of there uh, for you to do. Like there was one, I went into the fishmongers and I needed to make the, um, I needed to make the fish look presentable or the fish heads. The fish heads. Exactly. Okay. And so I punched them, because that's all I can do, really. Yeah. Punched all the fish heads so that they all had cigarettes sticking out of their mouths, which appeals to the Barnsley locals, apparently. I can say that, because I'm from Barnsley. Yeah. Um, but it was... like So the, the art style is very kind of 
2D comic book style, very quite basic, but easy to kind of see. But the, the problem, the, the problem I had slightly, and I got lost quite a few times was you, there's nothing that's like really obvious about where you're meant to be going because every little bit is detailed. Every bit is, there's no kind of real focus on certain areas that you're meant to be going. Mm -hmm. So something in the corner, there might be a box of, you know, toys that's got stuff written on it or whatever. That is in exactly the same focus and has exactly the same detail as the thing that you're walking on or you're walking or you need to interact with. So I, I got a little bit lost, but I mean, that's part of, you're just wandering around and you're punching things and you want to go and see what reactions they make. I mean, it's a game to be played with friends. And I did ask that and I was like, how long is this game? And they said, you know, a couple of sessions, you know, five, six hours, you know, a couple of sessions with your friends. And that's what they do. They want the game to be, they said that they wanted the game to be something that you play with a bunch of you around and all watching. And the person that's got the controller, they just got the controller, but like it's the, the shared experience, especially if you are intrigued by northerners or maybe there is a northern friend in your friend group who can be like, oh my God, look at, yeah. yeah. They can explain things to you. Um, it just, I, I love that Panic Games have given them the opportunity to release this because it's something that's just so Barnsley and well, it's unique. it's a very specific niche yeah. that you just don't really see in games. I think as well, the thing to remember with, with all these previews is that it's an early build of the game. It's not exactly. the final thing. So it ran it's very smoothly. That... I got to say, I didn't have any. One thing they did say, they were looking at ways to make it a bit clearer what you have to do. And mm. I think that's why they didn't say anything when I was lot getting lost. Exactly. Because as much as you're there to see the game, they're there to see your reaction. And then that gives them feedback that they can tweak. So yeah. that is a reason why a lot of these games get shown. in. That's the point of previews as well. It's, you know, it goes both ways. Yeah. And all the, uh, it's all, it's all voiced. It's not, uh, yeah, there was no text speech. Well, that's very authentic. Which I it? do like. It's all, I don't know how, it'd be interesting to see if all the voices are actually Yorkshire or if there's someone putting it on. Yorkshire voice, Yorkshire roles for Yorkshire people. Of course. And yeah, but yeah, it's all fully developed and written by those two guys. And the, I asked them if the dialogue was kind of scripted and stuff. And they said it is, but there was also some like improvisation in the voice. Um, but yeah, the humor, I thought the humor was interesting. I loved it. I wonder if, I do wonder if some people might be like, oh, this is a bit uh, dark, dark, well, uh, dark humor and a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's like cigarettes in fish. I don't know if this would translate well in all other countries. Um, but like I said, I thought it was hilarious. Like there's one bit where you go into the pie shop and apparently on the boxes, the message on the boxes is recite, like it changes. So everybody's game is going to be different, what it says. And I, I can't remember which relative it was, but it was like the name of a relative and in brackets, Ashes, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. Um, but yeah, just like some of the some of the humor and lots of like, they wanted to have like the proper experience of what you'd hear, like overhearing in Barnsley. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously to a com comedic degree. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't believe you're coming out. Like that kind of voice. Where it's like, oh, Margaret, I can't believe you've uh, brought your second bag. And we always should... this kind of act, this kind of voice. But that sounds kind of... pretty normal to me. How dare you? I mean, that's me putting it on and making it. Was that put on? Over... How dare you? Over the top. <laughs> and that's what the voices are like in there. So it's like there. Yeah. It's not authentic. It's kind of over the top. Yeah. But the game is purely over the, isn't, you know, is over the top completely. I mean, the, the pie thing. I was I was I actually went inside the oven and then the pie thing blew up and then the shop became a giant pie. 
it, it's you of have to experience it, it. you have to ex- it have to experience it but yeah um just see if there's anything oh yeah i had to go down a well to unclog some water but it wasn't clear that i needed to kind of wario land two style kind of it was you had to kind of punch through the side of the wall but it was a bit higher than the bot than the ground so it was the equivalent like that area that i got to was where i needed to get to but in any other game it would have been like a secret area because you had to kind of time a jump and then punch mm. uh oh yeah, it's like punch a wall quite high up it so that bit was a bit confusing to me and i wonder if they could put like a little worm or even like some crumbly bits coming out of it so you know that that wall is then breakable yeah because uh, i wasn't quite sure uh but yeah slapping fish with cigarettes in their mouths pie blowing up there was a girl with braces who was voiced by this comedian and then the person from the pie produce who would come by and they were all like really, really, you know, kind of embarrassingly flirting. Have you ever seen Open All Hours? Yes. I think this might be, that. I think this was definitely referenced, which is set in Doncaster, which is also South Yorkshire, very close to Barnsley. They're very, right, you know, big rivals. But there was like, so David Jason played, there was Arkwright and, oh my God, what was his? Oh, I can't remember the character's name. Uh, so uh, I can uh, see yeah. them. It was like, uh, Oh, I can't remember. But anyway, it was like he fancies the a woman that comes into the shop and they're just like completely like they don't really know how to interact with each other because they're kind of just nerdy little, you know, socially awkward people. One works in a pie shop. The other one does some pie, some yeah pie produce. And they're like, oh, and they've all got these giant braces. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's comedy. It's cartoon comedy, but with a little dark twist to it open all out open all hours is the classic four candles joke right no that's um that's monty python no no it's not it's not four candles that is um it's not that one isn't it no four candles because it's london yeah, isn't it it's like you want four candles or four candles yeah no it's the two ronnies that isn't it i think it's just two two ronnies yeah it's just two ronnies because oh, that that's london ronnies. as well four candles whereas Open All Hours is Northern. Mm, that's true. Oh, Open All Hours is brilliant. It's just anyway. such brilliant humour. Uh, and even the remake was quite good. But anyway, I, I've just written, the last thing I wrote was like, it's a hilarious love letter to Barnsley and its people. And I hope a lot of people play it and enjoy it. Oh, I hope it's a good game, first of all. Um, yeah. But I hope that, yeah, it comes on, it's really well received and puts Barnsley back on the map because we're not going to be doing that with our football. Well, unfortunately. There you go. So yeah, did you have any questions? No, like I, I saw the trailer open and live as we all did for the first time and thought immediately thought of you and thought this game, yeah, like you say, is a love letter to, I mean, I guess Yorkshire. I didn't know it was Barnsley specifically. Oh but... yeah, there's even like Barnes, it was like Barneswick or Barnes, no, it's not Barneswick, but it's like the name of the football. There's like a football scarf and it's red and it yeah. says something like Barnsdale, which is, obviously Barnsley. Yeah. But the fact that they're both from Barnsley. But it yeah. definitely, even just from the trailer, gave me that like classic British cartoon humour, giving yeah. it sort of the Beano kind of vibe. And, 100%. Uh, yeah. All that kind of stuff. So if you like British humour, it seems very much in that style. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just hope it plays as well as it sounds like it's funny. Yeah. The actual, oh, like, what do you mean? Like the humour comes over as funny well, as no it is. as in like it, it seems like it's a really humorous game like it's going to have a really good script funny voice acting yeah so i just hope that the gameplay can can yeah, live up I, to that yeah i don't think the game is there for its gameplay 
Like it's just jumping and punching and running around. And like you can punch a person in the street and they'll just go, oh, I, I was like, oh, can't believe you. Uh, oh, how are you doing? Are you, are you out here all, on your own? That kind of, they won't. It's just like you you do that to get the few the like the humorous comments from people. It's yeah. it feels narrative, but with some little puzzles that you have to kind of nice. go and do. So it's it's just an experience. It's the bar, the Barnsley experience in a video game. In a video game, and I cannot wait to play more I of feel it. Like see that's more of it. Required viewing for me. Yes, that and Kez. I've seen Kez. Have you seen it with subtitles? Ah, Kez. Yeah, I watched that back at school. See, I, I watched it, and I, even I didn't really understand what they were saying most of the time. Hey, ah, Casper, ah, Casper, come here. Get off the goalpost. It's a boy who's bullied, and he befriends a kestrel. What's not to get about it? Okay, fine. Sure. No, I mean, the, vo- <laughs> the voices, like, the accents are very, very strong, even for me to understand. Yeah. Anyway, I my opinion of, um, thank goodness you're here, is it's rate grand. And you have to thank, you have to thank me as well for your... Um, for help with your subheading the for your spelling game. rate right? rate rate it's all right let's see sure. if it's better than all right i'm sure it will be it will be okay so that were they were the like the main games well, well they, we were were about. Hi- they were our they highlights were highlights yeah of sort of the our favorite things that we saw um there were a lot of other things that that we saw between us i had some hands-on i had some hands-off um Lots of hands on hands on. Um, you saw some things as well. So you do should own. we just like race through some other stuff that we got to see? Yep. I won't say everything, but I'll pick out some of the more interesting bits. Um, Starfield, the first thing I saw, um, it was not playable at Gamescom. But it's out on like Friday. It is. So there are people playing it now for review, but it hasn't been playable in terms of previews or anything like that. What they were showing at Gamescom was a sort of 20, 25 minute video, mm-hmm. which the press got to see first and then everyone else who attended could queue up to, to view. I'm sure that queue was hours and hours long just to watch a video. Yeah. The video was essentially the beginning of the game to explain a bit about the story. So you start off as a miner, as in a miner, not a child, um, in an excavation site and you basically discover this weird artifact that things go wrong because obviously uh you then create your character which seems quite diverse in a nice way um some nice options and then you fight some pirates and you go up to space and then you land on another planet and and then it ended and my main thought about it was this is fallout in space which is to be expected because it's a bethesda game and i think that's Mm. that is essentially what people are expecting starfield to be but I felt slightly deflated and that that's kind of all it is from what I've seen. I think there's yeah. a lot more to it that isn't in the opening that they will show later. So I know that there's going to be a lot more to Starfield, but that, that section felt very familiar. It's just it, like just the way that you have conversations with people in first person, the different options, um, the sort of slightly janky looking animations on people um shooting it doesn't have that like fallout but it's just fairly standard fps shooting like it didn't blow me away basically i think if you like bethesda games you're gonna love starfield and if you want a bethesda game set in space that's exactly what this is but if you want a really unique an original game i don't Mm. think this is it 
from yeah. what I've seen personally, which is literally 20 minutes. So, you know, there are people out there who have played it and will know more than me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it. I'll play it and see what it's like. But I wouldn't, I just hope it's not a game where you have to make your own story. I think there which will think... be a sort of clear quest line. Yeah, and I hope it's good um, because they've got all this space. They've got like hundreds, if not thousands of planets that are all that have got these and apparently some of the best things about this are going to these random planets and actually like finding these outposts and like the detail that's on them um but i'm yeah i'd like i like a game where i'm not necessarily like the, the story is brilliant on its own you don't need to kind of use your imagination too much to create your own story um but I, I'm, I'm apparently I, I did see a tweet earlier today that said you're going to be able to like create your own planets and your own storylines with mods and things like it's going to be really mod friendly and that could be, I mean, which I don't need. That's bullshit because sorry, Bethesda, do the work yourself. Don't rely on modders to make your game more interesting. Well, maybe it's going to be interesting enough on its own. I hope so. Yeah. I think I get a slight breath of the wildy sense to it in terms of there is a main quest to follow, but mm. I think there's a lot of like, just run off and explore and you might uncover something uh, in a side area that you wouldn't have mm. otherwise. I think there's a lot of that kind of vibe in terms of making your own story in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely want to play it. It's an interesting game. I just don't think it's going to be the most mind-blowing, original, advancing gameplay no. kind of game. It's just, it's Fallout in space. I think you're right as well about the side story stuff because, um, I mean, we have, this will go out quite later, but we did hear about that side mission. I can't remember who it was that told us. Yeah, we we we've talked to people who are playing it. So and they've they've been blown away by stuff. some of the side stuff that they've just stumbled across. Yeah, so there's bits of that. Um, I wanted to talk about Dungeons of Hinterberg. Who? So this was on the Xbox stand. It was shown at the Xbox showcase, I believe, in Summer Games Fest, and it is myself. set in Austria. Oh, okay. Uh, in the Alps, I believe Hinterberg is an actual place. I think Moni lives there. Mm. And the the graphics of this are this sort of graphic comic book style. So there's almost like a filter over the graphics. Yeah. It's kind of almost cell shader, but with this sort of pointillism filter to make it look like it's like it's all drawn. Yeah. Um, essentially, it plays a bit like a Zelda game. So you have this central town, which is all very Austrian, uh, up in the Alps and mountains and beautiful lakes and typical Austrian style buildings. Uh, and you can go and talk to people and you have friendships with them. Uh, and and you, as you develop the friendship, it unlocks new features. And then you go off to these four different areas, each one filled with, I think it's maybe around 20 different dungeons, mm -hmm. which I think act a bit like Zelda shrines, but they're longer. Like a Zelda shrine, you can do it about two minutes, some of them. These are more like 20 minutes to half an hour each one. Each one, wow. Some of them are more puzzly. Some of them are more combat. Some of them have like bosses in them but you go down and you solve kind of zelda style puzzles within these dungeons but it's set in kind of present day austria so it's not fantasy i mean it is in that there are like i guess you're fighting goblins but it's not like a fantasy world like it's very much set in austria yeah <laughs> um and like i i saw the two devs they weren't in the session but they were outside and we said oh you know we really liked it and they're like oh thank you very much uh in a strong austrian accent that i'm not gonna do um but it seems like it's an Austrian developer creating this game that's a love letter, like love letter to, to, to Yorkshire. This is a love letter to Austria, oh. but in this Zelda style dungeon game that actually feels really fun to play. 
Um, I had these two magic abilities, magic inverted commas, really. Um, so you could like summon a bomb, like a big metal bomb. Um, there was another one I've totally forgotten. And I think you get different abilities in the four different areas. So mm -hmm. those dungeons revolve around those abilities in different ways and the way you kind of, you know, do stuff. And yeah, it, there were some cows in a field that was lovely. Um, it just felt very Austrian, but in a zelda way. So like Moni, absolutely. Our mod Moni, you need to go and play it. Absolutely. But I genuinely think everyone else will enjoy it. If you like Zelda, it's going to be a really fun game. And the art styles, like I say, is really unique. So, so go look up Dungeons of Hinterberg. Great. Um, Sonic Superstars. Yes. An interesting one. Because you love Sonic. I do love Sonic. I'm a big Sonic fan. I grew up on Sonic. This is a return to 2D Sonic. So we mm. had Sonic Frontiers last year, which was all 3D. This is a 2D game and is sort of a return to classic Sonic is how they're billing it. However, it's also a four-player co-op game. Okay, a bit like uh, Disney. What's it called? Disney... Oh, God, I forgot the name. Um, something Island. Illusion Island. Illusion Island, thank you. I said Delusion Island. Yeah. Or like the Mario, like Wii U games, where you can play as four characters. Mm. So in this, you've got Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. And you can play through these levels with four characters. Well, up to four. So I actually played it both single player and in two player because they only had two players an option. Okay. And in single player, I enjoyed it. It is classic Sonic. It's all new zones. The big twist is that you have emerald powers. So you collect the chaos emeralds as you do in all Sonic games. But this time they give you powers, each mm. one that you can then use. So you select it with the right stick and then press a button. So it might be that you get the power of water where you can then climb up waterfalls or which might take you to a secret area. Or there's a power that reveals hidden platforms that again use to access new areas. Or there's one called Avatar, I think, where you get lots of copies of yourself that will destroy all the enemies on screen for you. But they're all pretty superfluous. You don't need to use them to complete the game. They're more there. It's... I don't want to say it's an accessibility thing because it's not accessibility. It's easy mode. It kind of adds to it. Like if you're a bit stuck, it adds a new layer to it, basically. Mm. Um, but it's got all the kind of classic Sonic things, classic Sonic tunes, classic Sonic animations. It doesn't feel quite as good as classic Sonic or Sonic Mania in terms of the um, the feel of like jumping and the movement. But it's not as stiff as, say, episode four, if you play Sonic 4. Um, if you played that, it feels better than that. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was a bit cheap, as Sonic sometimes is, and that's fine. You just <laughs> we've got Sonic at home. You just you get a bit used to it. Just no, just things like um, I mean, cheap in terms of difficulty. So okay. it's like you're running really quick, and then it just puts an enemy right in your path, and it's like you've got to learn to dodge it. Learn to dodge it because okay. you've got to learn the roots of it. So the first time you go through, you'll hit spikes in annoying areas and things like that. That's just classic Sonic design, basically. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of that. But I also played it in two-player. And for me... Who are you playing with? Uh, the PR. Okay. And for me, Sonic fundamentally does not work in multiplayer, which is a real shame. Because the whole point of Sonic is that you're running quick. You want to run through the levels as quickly as possible to get the as many rings as you can in the shortest time. It's kind of like a racing game in a way. And the thrill of it is going through loops and jumps and stuff as quickly as possible. Yeah, when you lose yeah. speed, 
that's when Sonic sucks. It, it shouldn't be co-op. It feels like it should be PvP, like maybe two lines, you know. And we've had that in Sonic games in the past. They've had multiplayer games. Yeah. Sonic 2 had that. And it's I take your words for it. I've never really got into Sonic. Yeah. yeah. So Sonic 2 started that. Um, and yeah, it's split screen, but of you're course, running yeah, through I separately. I have played that with my friend. Yeah, yeah, you're running through it separately. Whereas this is all on one screen. Mm. And the problem is, is that there's an effect in Sonic where when you're running so quickly, he like flies off the screen because he's just so quick that, you know, he can't even be contained by the game itself. But then you've got someone else running along who gets lost. And then it's <laughs> like, oh, I'm off the screen. And now, now I have to press a button to teleport back to my partner oh, again. Oh, no. Because um, that's one, another reason why I brought up Disney Illusion Island, because that had similar... Because we played that together. Yeah, and we didn't really like the multiplayer in that, did we? We struggled, because the screen just couldn't quite contain two characters. And this is that, but even worse, because you're spinning yeah, off in I different bet. directions. And it feels that you end up really losing the flow of Sonic, because the camera can't keep up with you, and you're flying off in different mm. directions. For me, it just it just didn't work as a Sonic game. And that was in two player. And mm. you can play this in four player. So four characters running around. I just don't see how that can work. What game was it that it was like it'd pan out if you were separate. But then if you got too far away, it would then just go into like split screen. I'm trying to think of the game it was. I think a few have done that, but this yeah. is literally one screen. It just stays the same. Yeah. God, which game? Oh, guys, going to annoy me now. So yeah, Sonic Superstars. I think if you want to play it as a solo game as you would with previous most previous sonic games i know what it was um wwe 2k19 oh sure if you go off the screen if you're too far away from each other it goes into split screen okay very good go. very similar so yeah i think it's a single player game i will enjoy sonic superstars but as a as a multiplayer game it just fundamentally is flawed for me i, I just don't see how it works as a two-player game or four or three it seems like it was pointless them doing that yeah i just they're just trying to come up with new twists on 2D gameplay, yeah. and it's just, it didn't quite work for me. And they've got Sonic. Why don't they just do, I mean, it's not the same company I know, Sonic Mania 2. Well, that's the thing. It's a different developer. It's, it's all Sega, but it's yeah. different developers within it. Yeah. And Sonic Mania was really popular because it was so close to the original games. And this is a different developer, and it's, it's not as good as Sonic Mania, to be honest. Mm. So that's a shame. Um, Persona 5 Tactica. This is a spin off of Persona 5 not the first one we've already had Persona 5 Strikers is this after or before Strikers after after Strikers okay and what I like about these spin-offs is that they're all a different type of gameplay so Persona 5 is your typical Persona gameplay um turn-based RPG we all know and love it it's incredibly you popular it. you need to finish it it's incredibly popular mm -hmm. it's the best Persona game it's great yeah Persona 5 Strikers was then this sort of Muzu style game um go on like warrior, like Dynasty Warriors so it's real-time combat, and it's you against loads and loads and loads of enemies. Mm. So, like, um, you, you might have played the Zelda Warrior games or Fire Emblem Hyrule. Warriors, or like Hyrule Warriors and all that. Strikers plays like that. Um, so it's it looks and feels like Persona, but the battles are different. Persona 5 Tactica, as the name implies, is a tactical strategy game. So it's turn-based, but it's on a grid, and you're moving around um, quite simplified in terms of strategy to me it plays very similar to marion rabbits okay which i'm I gonna know buy you it. like i'm gonna buy it um, is there a rabid uh morgana there is not but you do play as morgana um what i like is the way that they have translated persona 5 combat into tactics 
So you've got all similar spells. You've got weapons, like melee weapons and guns. And you've got your all-out attack equivalent. So in Persona 5, when you exploit a weakness or a critical attack, that enemy is downed. And if you can down all the enemies, you then get an all-out attack. This works where if you down an enemy by doing the same thing, you can then position your characters. It's all about positioning and hiding behind um, cover so that you can't be attacked. Mm. And if you position your characters in a triangle around a downed enemy, that can then trigger an all-out attack. And if there are other enemies within there, they all get hit. Mm. So it's moving around on a grid. Everything is done in this kind of cutesy, kind of chibi style, which is slightly different to the original. Well, it's quite different to the original Persona mm. 5. But all the same characters, there are new characters. It has great music, as you'd expect. Great menu style. Um, so it feels very Persona, as you would want. But it has very different combat, it, which is, like I say, sort of simplified, but still fun strategy um it's got potential to be more complex later mm. i played an early bit that was sort of teaching you the basics um but it was really fun i think i can't remember when that's out exactly but um it was fun and you enjoying it. them continuing the story i didn't get to see a lot of it okay so it yeah it takes place later it's all the same characters so familiar faces which is nice but i didn't get to play a lot of that did you finish strikers yes okay and did you like did they progress the story in a way that was interesting because i'm I loved what I played of Persona 5, which I know is only like three or four dungeons in. Uh, all that. I, I finished the art, the artist, dude. That's the second. Ooh, okay, there's one after that, whatever it was. Don't need to spoil it, but yeah. I can't remember. It was the third one either. I think I was starting. I think you have to go and do the little, what they're called, um, the underground one. Mm-hmm. Mementos. Mementos. I think you have to do those a few bits. Yep. But um, yeah, no, so I'd, I'm interested because then am I going to finish... Persona 5 one day in the future and then be like, mm, I need to go and play the others because the story continues. I mean, Persona 5 for me has a very complete story and I really like that story and it sort of didn't need spin-offs. I like Persona 5 a lot, so I'm perfectly happy to play more Persona. Mm. So that's great. I don't think the story necessarily added too much okay. in Strikers, but I enjoyed experiencing the world again. I yeah. like the characters. I like that combat was different, so it felt refreshed. This, I think, will probably be similar. Yeah. I don't know really how much the story is going to be great. And I don't know how much the social aspects fit into this either. But combat is is new and different. Yeah, So that's, that's cool. nice. Um, I played some other bits, but why don't you talk about something that you've played? Uh, I played, Go well, I played Bulwark, Falconeer Chronicles. It was, because I was like, is it Bullock? I know it's Bulwark, Falconeer Chronicles. Which I believe is in early access at the moment. It is uh, made by Thomas Sala. It's a game. And he made Falconeer. I believe. Was it just called Falconeer? Maybe The Falconeer? The Falconeer. I yes, The Falconeer does ring a bell. Um, but yeah. So this is a game where you are... Well, it's a whole kind of sea with various little islands and tiny little uh, rocky outposts, rocky islands. And you have to kind of develop a place there and like have to build a base and i saw like the free mode part at the beginning so you like the sandbox mode and it, you just like click on things and you're using the controller and it just builds these really like it just like builds civilizations on these rocks and you'll go from rock to rock and then it'll just naturally create them for you you're not like selecting the houses you're just selecting maybe 
okay, from this point to this point is going to be a bridge, and then they'll naturally kind of build on these different parts. Um, yeah, different houses or shops or whatever. But then you can also build a mine where there's areas to mine and you connect it to your various uh, civilizations or your various towns, and then you're able to build more and more. So it it seems like a game that you kind of just chill for a little bit with and you kind of build it's it's a little bit more of a tactical townscaper okay which what townscaper you're just clicking on things and it's just naturally building houses and stuff for you it's very much like that and apparently there are pirates there's certain people that you can interact with apparently initially whenever you speak to somebody to another faction they're friendly so it's not all about like attack attack um there is i believe combat in that i didn't really get to that part because we were showing the sandbox mode but if i mean yeah check out the early access if you want to have a look at it it's got a very unique art style like i love that i love like you can just click on two things and then it'll naturally create a town based on that bridge that you've made and it'll build a town along the bridge and on the sides will have a certain area and yeah you can yeah you're just kind of it's like a city builder but you're just kind of, it's just a very, very simplified city builder. And Thomas Sala, who is the man who made it, he was actually giving me the talk through, which one of my favorite things about Gamescom is getting to meet the people that make the games yeah. and hearing from them, not through a PR. Like literally you're talking to this person, to the, I'm literally talking to Thomas and it was like, wow, you are, you made it. And obviously they're extra passionate about it because they've been spending all their time playing it. Of course. But yeah, I think the, the best way to describe it is just like a very simple city builder. There are various things like with resources and being able to kind of trade and building. For example, you have to build a harbor or you have to attach a harbor to your, God, I want to say like uh, Citadel or I don't know how to even describe it because it's, it's like a village. Mm -hmm. But you expand it by linking certain things to it. But you've got just so much like... There's just so much um, choice of where you go. Like you, everybody's is going to be completely different. You're not like restricted to posting certain uh, parts of the town in certain areas. You can literally like build it all around these rocks that stick up. So yeah, you're building like a harbor and then the, you have to go and put another harbor near where there's an iron deposit or whatever. And so that then you can get more iron and then you can build your town a bit more and Eventually, I believe like, you can colonize the entire map. Um, it is a huge map, but it is, yeah, it is just a really chilled one of those. And nice. I would, yeah, give it a go. And then afterwards, I went and played Gori Cuddly Carnage, which is the complete opposite. And in fact, is the opposite of Stray. Mm -hmm. So it's got a cat. Okay. It's set we in love a, cats. We love cats. It is set in a cyberpunk universe, uh, similar to... Uh, to, to, to stray. But you are riding a hoverboard that swears and you're killing murderous unicorns. Um, What? The hoverboard speaks? The hoverboard has a little face on it and it speaks and it swears, but when it swears, it gets beeped. Um, okay. However, apparently later on you can upgrade it so that it removes the beeping and it can just, you know, F and Jeff as much as it wants. Lovely. And I just really like the movement of that. So yeah, you use your hoverboard to kind of slice apart these unicorns, these murderous bloodthirsty unicorns. They're all very kind of cartoony 
coming at you. And it's a lot of kind of like grinding along neon poles and going from area to area. There's a lot of speed involved, very different to Stray. So I mean, like, yeah, literally, it's a cat in a neon cyberpunk universe, but that is exactly where it stops because it is, there's combat in it. There's a lot of, yeah, traversal and, um, yeah, kind of grinding ropes and trying to grab on things. And it's really cool because if you are jumping from like one rail to another rail and obviously you're with a controller, you might not be exactly, you know, might not be really precise. So you might not make that second rail. There's a button to quickly like grab back onto it and go and it's, it just feels really fluid and enjoyable. I don't know how like fun that's going to be for a really long game because it did seem like there were quite a few worlds to this. Like I just looked at a level, I was at a level where we were underground quite a bit and there's a lot of slime, like neon radioactive slime there. Of course, it's radioactive. Of course. <laughs> but there is also there are also like other levels that deal with different uh areas of the of the world uh, which I didn't have a look at. So I, I think it's like a, a sizable game. Um, you know, for a platformer. It's obviously an indie game. It's a Swedish studio that's doing this. And uh yeah, it seems like it's uh, uh, going to be a fun game for people that like kind of cutesy, wild platformers with yeah. hoverboards and an interesting bit of humor. I didn't actually hear it. I believe it was voiced. In fact, well, it was voiced, but I didn't have the headphones on, so I can't comment on that because I was just chatting yeah. to the person. So was, was there a lot of swearing? Uh, a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I got a little bit of sass from the uh, hoverboard. A sassy hoverboard. Yeah. And, there were in, wow. and the combat was actually quite interesting as well, like charged attacks and charge spins and like uncontrollable spinning hmm. just yeah so that was fun why don't you tell us about cities skyline 2 i will do after you tell me about your date oh are we finishing I, well we'll no we'll go back to it but i want okay. you to be a, to well, talk I'll, a bit because i want to talk i want to hear about your date well i'll i'll whip through a few things um because we've talked a lot already but yeah i went on a date in like a dragon Ooh. garden which is a sort of spin-off to Like a Dragon. Uh, like a Dragon is is the, the name of the Yakuza series. So before we get to Like a Dragon 8, which will be the next turn-based one, mm -hmm. um, we've got Gaiden as this spin-off. And it's a return to the classic Yakuza vibe of, of sort of action combat. Oh, is it really? I didn't realise this. Yeah, it's action combat. Um, there is a new agent style of combat where he has gadgets he can use, which is kind of cool. Um, and I played a little demo that took place basically on a ship that was like an adult theme park. So it's kind of like Vegas on a ship, mm. um, Interesting. which was odd. And it was a time demo, 20 minutes, run off and explore. Most people just went straight for the combat, which was the story. And I wandered off and ended up in a cabaret bar where I had a date with a hostess. And... This has happened before in, in these games, in the series. So this happened before to you. No, 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 in the series. However, this is the first time that they're using live action hostesses. But like so the game, it's... so it, it just suddenly becomes a live action. Yeah. So you're running around as Kiryu, um, you know, in, in graphics, you know, computer graphics. And then suddenly it switches to first person and there's a, a real Japanese woman. Um, and you can choose one of three hostesses. Mm. Uh, I can only choose one of them. And then I could have a date with her. And and I bought her a drink. I bought her the most expensive champagne. Ooh. Um, and we talked about how much we like karaoke. Yeah. 
and I bought her some expensive earrings. I gave her some expensive Very earrings as a gift. You. Yeah. And every time you do something nice or like agree with her in conversation, like a heart meter goes up. Now, I unfortunately did not get it high enough to see what happens when it maxes out. Because she basically said, oh, thank you very much. Uh, see you next time. And it ended. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, she was in a, you know, relatively revealing outfit. I, this reminds me of in Yakuza, Yakuza 6, where I went to an internet cafe and was chatting to a person. And I believe they're live action. In fact, I'll show you. I believe from this picture, it reminds me, live action. Where you are talking to yeah. her and you have to use button prompts to, to pass it. And as you are doing it, they she removes her clothes until she was literally in a bra. And I was worried about whether I should actually like cover. In fact, I think I covered the screen because I wasn't quite sure if she would get her tits out. And I'm like, I'm going to get into trouble on Twitch if I've got somebody mm. getting her boobs out. But um, yeah, there was no clothing, clothing removal in okay. this. Um, yeah, it's... It was interesting. It's one of those things I don't quite know why it exists. It exists because it's part of Japanese culture and that's fine. But um, for a Westerner, it was a bit of a shock to play yeah. through that. What were you I doing wasn't, in wasn't there? expecting it. So you're buying her a drink? Yeah, you just chat to them. Oh. Because hostesses are there to sort of, you know, you pay to, to be entertained by them, I guess, and for them to look after you. And and they bring, you say, oh, we've got some champagne. And then they bring it and... Mm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's normal in Japan. And I guess for me as a, as a white British gay man, it was, it felt a little bit seedy and I wasn't a big fan of it, but you know, I appreciate that is just not part of my world. So there we go. That was interesting. interesting. Well, that sounds fantastic. Um, I played some Mortal Kombat. Mm? I'm not very good at Mortal Kombat. It's a board game or something now. So we got to play a new single player mode called Invasion, which acts a bit like a board game. It looks a bit like Mario Party. So it's like a an area um, and you follow a path with nodes and it branches off in different areas. And each node is a new battle or mini game or something under specific conditions. So it might be that there are demons flying across that throw fire at you in the middle of battle or something like that. And it kind of loosely creates a storyline. Um... I was stuck on literally the second node for a very long time. Oh dear. Because I suck at that game. Um, so yeah, it was Mortal Kombat. It was brutal and violent and I guess exactly what Mortal Kombat fans want. I'm not a big fighting game fan. No, I mean, so yeah. I struggled with that. But there we go. Oh. Um, I had a meeting with the creator of Broken Sword. The cre- this, honestly, this is why games come so classic, cool. Classic point and click. Um, I forgot his name. Charles Cecil was his name. Mm-hmm. How was he? Sorry? How was he? He was eccentric and adorable, and I love him. Um, (laughs) There are two Broken Sword games coming out. There is the very first game that's being remastered, um, and that's, I think, coming out relatively soon. Um, And so he was showing me a lot of side-by-side comparisons of the original and then the new one, which has been upscaled. Um, Now, interestingly, they have used AI to do that. However, I asked about it, and essentially, it's it's using AI to do the basics. Mm. Um, and then an artist will go in and fill in the details and bring it to life. So the kind of boring work of just filling in color and things like that, that nobody, like no artist, like seemingly enjoys doing, that's done by AI. So it's a tool. 
but it's then handcrafted afterwards and all the detail and stuff are put in by people. So it's using AI as a tool. It's not like taking away jobs from, from artists. It's making it easier for them. Well, we'll see um, what artists say about that. <laughs> we will. Um, but it does look stunning. Have it, you got a piece going up about that? I will do, yeah. Um, so there's that. And then there is Broken Sword 6, which is going to be a brand new one. And basically he took me through his holiday photos to explain to me what the game is about. Is it still the same old point and click? It will be, yeah. Will it be as obtuse and unusual and like how to choose the answers as the no. old ones are? Or was that just because I was young? Were they... So, well, have you played Broken Sword? I played through some of them and then I got stuck so early on because I'm like, how? what am I meant to do? I don't because know what I meant to. we talked a lot about um, difficulty and puzzles. And actually there's a new mode being added to the remaster of the first one oh. that will... Um, not even highlight things it's lit it's little things to make it easier so if you you know maybe you need to use a certain item to progress okay mm. and you've got your inventory you will use an item if that item didn't work it will then be grayed out in oh, your inventory good, good, good. so you, almost by process of elimination you can yeah. work out what to do so little things like that just to make it a little bit easier or there might be a little flashing thing in a corner that you can click on that gives you a small hint um but he was very clear on he wants things to be logical mm. and he wants things to be based on fact and history. So that's why the story is based on real history. And he told me all about it and like hundreds of years of history in this this castle where Percival's grail was seemingly stolen. And he was holidaying there with his family and was showing me pictures and he showed me some grail stones. Wasn't he asking you what were... to call the game? Well, they hadn't decided yet if it was um, Percival's Stone or Percival's Grail. Um, and it seems like Grail might be what, what they land on. Um, thanks to you? Which seems Well, not really thanks to me, but it seems a little bit better from what he was talking about. And he showed me some Grail stones, which were two tiny, tiny pebbles, which he then put in his mouth to get them wet, and then started rubbing them together. And then he was like, look, they're bleeding. And it was like this red liquid coming out of the stone. Now, I think it's just when they get wet, it probably reacts to liquid and sort of just dissolves slightly. So it looks like they're bleeding. But obviously people call them grail stones because I'm sure people think it's the blood of Christ or something that's coming from these stones. Um, and there's just it was just this really fascinating story. So of, you got blood from a stone. Literally. Fascinating story of this old castle being built and no one's really been there. And this explorer found it in the 30s and it's all very Indiana Jones. And he just was such an eccentric guy, but adorable and lovely and it was such a fascinating meeting yeah. that i just would not expect from anyone else so that was really good mm. and i don't really know broken sword i obviously know the basics of point and click adventures but i've never really played one properly so that was really interesting to to find out more about um resistor is a really interesting looking little indie game um the developer uh worked for both codemasters and bioware um they worked on Mass Effect and Dragon Age. And this game, uh, Resistor, they're calling a car PG. So the idea is it's it's a racing game, but it's also an RPG. Sounds it. Yeah. And so yeah. it's a mixture of Codemasters and like Mass Effect Dragon yeah, Age. Yeah, when you said Codemasters, I'm like, they only make racing games, don't they? So the racing side of things feels sort of burnouty. Um, F0E. It's all about speed. It's, about, it's about stunt racing. 
So it's not about who gets there first. It's about doing it with style. Oh, okay. So you can flip and corkscrew. You can spin to hit other, other cars. Yeah. Um, you can drift around corners at high speeds, all this kind of stuff. But then you're playing as a character who you create. And the characters are described almost like wrestlers. So you can, they're like superstars and you can create your own entrances like a wrestler with your own music and effects and stuff. Um, and you can, you can create all of that as part of your character creator. And then there's a story and you get companions that join you in your car that give you different abilities. And then there's this huge open world you can drive and walk around to then meet and talk with people and go on quests. So it's not just about racing in a tournament. It's like you get given a quest that then relates back to racing um, the world can then be like customized based on how things are. So maybe you can, maybe there's a mountain and you have to drive around it. Mm. But then once you've done that, you can then build a tunnel to go through it so that that's your equivalent yeah. of fast travel, basically. Um, so it's this huge open world RPG and all these different endings based on the branching paths. You could become the villain in your own story. Because maybe you make choices that then everybody turns against you and you become the villain in the story. Um, so all these different possibilities in terms of an RPG, but it's all based around racing. Um, Does it interest you because you're not a racing fan? I'm not, but it's I don't like a racing game if I have to break. So I love F-Zero. I love Mario Kart. I love that more like Wipeout. I love the more mm. arcade style of racing and that's what this is. But I also love RPGs. So this really kind of brings those two worlds together in a really interesting and a really ambitious way. Um, it's a small indie developer, but this all these huge ideas, which if they can pull it off, I think will be great. So that was really interesting. Um, and then the last one I'll bring up is Where Winds Meet. Now, this was on the Netty stand. Um, it's a Chinese developer. And it is one of the most stunning looking games I've seen. The idea of this game, it's an open world sort of RPG adventure. Mm -hmm. And the idea of it is that they are bringing Wucha to the West. Yeah. So I really hope I'm pronouncing this right. I'm probably not. I'm mm. not sure if it's Wucha or Wucha. Essentially, the simplest way I can describe it, and I do not want to sort of diminish a lot of Chinese literature and fantasy and whatever else. But you've, only but got, you've only got certain things to base it on. Yeah. Your knowledge is limited. And, and in the West... It hasn't come to the West that much, but think Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, basically. Um, it is Chinese fantasy, but based on sort of classical history, ancient China. Um, so when you think of the sort of beautifully dancing choreographed battles and like flying through the sky with swords and martial arts, all that kind of stuff, mm. that's Wuxia. Yeah. And that is what they are bringing to the West in this game. So they've decided to make a big open world game because that's typical of gaming and they want it to be approachable for people all around the world. And hopefully it'll, you know, create interest in the whole genre. Yeah, but it, it has that typical Wuxia kind of stuff. Um, they have different stances of combat, which are all based on animals. Mm -hmm. So there's like a lion one and a praying mantis stance and all these that have different moves. Um, there's this idea of kind of your character flying in the sky and they literally like float up to the sky, but you're not flying. The idea is that you've changed your breath to make you lighter. And mm. that gives you, that allows you to sort of do sort of 
incredible acrobatics and like running up walls and leaping into the sky and flying and falling down to new areas. Oh, Why has um, this happened in a game? I'm sure it has been in a game before, but like this sounds very appealing. Yeah. And the world, like this beautiful world that feels instantly kind of Chinese in terms of its landscapes, like mountains and the mist and the like leaves being swept up in the wind and all this kind of stuff. Like just the most beautiful world. Sounds and like... it really feels like you're in that Wuxia fantasy. But because it's a Chinese developer, it's, mm. I mean, to me as a as a white British guy, it feels very authentic. And it's a world that I yeah. really, really want to get stuck into. Um, interesting. That's two very interesting games coming out of China. Exactly. Exactly. They're probably two of my favorites as well. I then got to play it. And it's coming to PC. They're not sure yet about consoles, but it will come to PC. Now it will be it will have controller support when it comes out. Wait, they didn't let you play a third uh like a, a third person action third person, combat third game party. with mouse and keyboard I had to play. Ooh. Which I'm sure a lot of people are no. fine with and they people used aren't to. fine. I think most I people aren't not. fine with that. No, I was not. And they're kind of literally surround me watching. It was like just me and them, like watching me play this game. And I'm like trying to move around with WASD and click to attack and trying to get the timing right of parrying, which is like two mouse button presses. And like, I was useless at that game. I didn't die, but I was useless. Um, and they're kind of like watching me trying to help. And I was like, I feel really embarrassed because I'm really bad. And I know that with the controller, I know I could have done that. It's just, I'm not used to mouse and keyboard. You need to learn maybe. Maybe. And then they, they kind of started showing me another stuff. And they're like, oh, do you want to go? And I was like, no, 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 you, you play. Let me watch you. I yeah. want to see what, what you can do in this game. Not mm. me being really bad. Um, so that was, yeah, it was an interesting session, like, cause that's the thing. Sometimes you see a game and then you're like, you just don't have the best experience with it, but I can tell that that game is going to be incredible when it comes out, Fantastic. which yeah. I think will be next year. So yeah, it's just this absolutely beautiful world. I want to see more. I feel like so many games that we saw here, uh, this year right, are coming out next year. Yep. So I feel like when we're watching these events, we're watching like the PlayStation or the Xbox or whatever these showcases are coming out, there are going to be quite a few games we're like, we know that one. Mm -hmm. You saw that one, you played it. I feel like Gamescom really is something that where you can play games that are in the future because it's mainly press. Press understand that games are going to be a work in progress, that you're going to play it. Lots of the Fallen we're playing with, it was like the cutscenes were all really glitchy and it's like, oh, there's another build coming out tomorrow. It's like, okay, yeah, I, you know, you know that kind of thing is going to be fixed. Yeah. Whereas if you show that just to the general public, they might be like, this game's going to be trash. Look at it. I mean, there are some games like Laws of the Fallen, Liza P, they're out like next month or the month after. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that's coming out at the end of the year, but then yeah, you get to see stuff well in advance. Yes. Uh, which is really cool. Excellent. Go but on yeah, then. Tell uh, us about your experience with Cities Skyline 2. So yeah, I went over to... So Cities Skylines 2, they uh, Paradox International, uh, Interactive, they were at Gamescom, but they had a little area outside of the convention center. And I say outside the convention center, you had to go over this giant overpass, which went over a train line. It took us like about 20 minutes of walking there. Maybe, no, actually, no, it wasn't because we set off with half, it was over half an hour. Uh, like this is how big the conference was. Like it was, it wasn't that far away from the conference hall, but we it took us thirty minutes, and we were still late by a couple of minutes. Uh, but it was fine because they were, you know, taking a while. But yeah, so we went over to there, and I was going to go and chat with them because for a business thing, because there's a you know we're having talks about something, and I wanted to chat to uh, the guy I know there, and yeah, he's such a nice guy, and yeah, they were doing a thing called Cities in the Sky, which is for these 
for big these big big streamers they're gonna stick them on this <clears throat> on this rig which has i'd say about 12 15 pcs um all playing city skylines 2 but what they'll do is they'll lift you up 50 meters in the air which is 163 feet which sounds 50 the, meters 50 meters in the air from a crane attached to this rig and you then then playing city skylines 2 and I, was, and I went over there with the owner because she was going to do it. So I'm just going to have a quick drink now because I've got a really dry throat for some reason. Me too. Oh. So I went with the owner. as I'll come over with you and chat. And um, yeah, the guy was like, so Ben, do you want to be in it? Do you want to go on it? And I'm like, yes, I would love to play City Skylines <laughs> 2 on the ground. Um, but I'd love to play it because I City Skylines 1, it's a while ago since I played it, but I adored it. Like it's it's one of those games that you just play constantly for like seven 14 days you know complete addicted to it um and i was like yeah i really really want to play it and the the opportunity as it often does with me just was like yeah yeah i'd love to do that That sounds that's amazing sure and so i went in they strapped me up to it and it's weird because you're attached to like a gaming chair you're like this chair that i'm on now it's pretty mm -hmm. much the same size everything there you've got straps on though they put straps the straps like come through the thing so it's yeah you are strapped to the chair but it is still a gaming chair pretty much it feels like one um and then they lift you up and like at a certain point i'm like oh yeah i don't actually like heights <laughs> and great the adrenaline had got the better of me and me being, I always say yes to things and then regret it later. Regret it later. Like the, I did the, I was handing out the award for the, oh, it was, it was on behalf of Marvelous Europe at the gaming awards a couple of years ago. And it was the most, can you remember? Best original game, was it something like that? Or I can't remember which it was. Best, yeah. best representation, I think it was, um, which I gave to Life is Strange, True Colors. And I'd said yes that I would hand that out. And then like having a bit of a panic attack literally from the day after being like, oh shit, I've got to go and like present this to hundreds of people and you know, in front of hundreds of people. And But I did it. And then at the end I was like, I was terrifying, but you know, it was worth it. And pretty much the same happened here. Like they lifted you up and I was getting higher and higher and going, oh, oh, this is high. This is really high. And then it goes past this overpass, which was already a fair few, you know, it was high. I mean, I don't know. I don't know with heights and lengths and stuff. It was 15 meters high. So it was, you know, whatever that is. What the overpass was. Yeah, the overpass. So you go past the overpass and I'm like, oh my God, they can see. In fact, there's if you go to youtube.com slash biggestbenness, I put the entire live stream on there. But as you go past the overpass, there's like people filming it and like cars looking, going past. And then it just continues to go higher and higher and higher until it reaches, yeah, pretty much the top of the crane. I'm like, is it going to go much further? Because it's going to hit the side of the crane. Um... And then they left us to dangle there for over an hour while we played City Skylines 2. And I think I would have enjoyed it. There were just two things that I would have, that would have made it less terrifying. One of them was if it wasn't windy and rainy. So it <laughs> was, that doesn't help. It was very, very windy. It was r pretty rainy. Like it was rain. It wasn't like torrential downpour, but there was some severe rain. And because of the wind, it, we were spinning not fast or anything like that. We were turning slowly. And sometimes I think they did it deliberately. Like they turned the yeah. crane thing. So you then had, you know, you went 180 degrees, but there were certain parts that were like, there was a good 15 minutes where I'm just getting absolutely soaked because <laughs> the wind is blowing all the rain onto me, onto my keyboard. It's also going against, because I've got a monitor for my PC. I've also got a vertical monitor next to me. 
that's flapping around and isn't isn't tied down. Like it's it's attached obviously to the you know the plug, but it's like flapping around like with the wind. And I'm like, shit, if this falls over and like falls out the and the cable comes out, it's going to be plummeting fifty meters to the ground. And so God hope nobody's down there. Um, I'm guessing when they were up there, they were like nobody can go below it because yeah. also other stuff they gave us like glass bottles. There were no bottles that weren't glass. I'm like, I want, I'd like some, well, it's like, do you have any water? They're like, yeah, just get anything from the fridge you want. And I'm like, is there anything that's not glass? <laughs> like literally everything is glass. They're like, oh, you'll be fine. Just don't put it on the edge. Wow. Even the mouse was wireless. Even though like, I could have just chucked it. Yeah, I could. But what if I'd like knocked it? What if I'd gone to reach the glass or something and accidentally knocked the mouse? Well, that's me. I can't play anymore, can I? Because yeah. the mouse is uh, currently in pieces 50 meters below me. Um, so yeah, that was... That was just terrifying. And yeah, the fact he was turning and the wind and stuff was blowing on me and like everything. I'm, I had my phone in my pocket. It would have been really cool to take a selfie, but I would, I was nowhere near, I was not in a million years ready to take anything out of my pocket. Yeah. I couldn't even move. I was holding on because I was on the corner. I was literally holding on to the table the entire time. In fact, <laughs> if you watch the, the clip, you can see my arm like just to the one side. If my arm is to one side like this, you know, I'm cl- like clinging onto the table. For dear life. For dear life. And because the main thing, well, I think the main thing that made me like more nervous was the fact it was it felt like I was in a gaming chair. Mm. And we're both in gaming chairs right now, and they're not the most stable things. Nope. Like if I pushed back hard enough, it'd probably snap in half. <laughs> um so I was like in this and it was moving a bit. And I thought that I looked over, there was a girl next to me pulling it as far back as she can, leaning back in it, spinning around, like turning around so she could have a look outside. I was like, What's what's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what are you what on earth? But um, I think if the, if you'd been in like kind of like a plastic bucket kind of seat, you know, that's properly, you know, like a roller coaster mm-hmm. seat, if it had been like one of those fixed ones that maybe even like was over the top of you yeah, or it was properly strapped in anyway. But, you know, that, I mean, you wouldn't need to be like that because you're not going upside down, hopefully. Um, the wind wasn't that strong. But like with the, I don't know, it just, the seats didn't feel stable because in my mind it's like, oh, this is a gaming chair. So I literally didn't move the entire time. And in fact, halfway through, I was desperately, I had to have some water and I was just like holding both the, with both hands. And yeah, we're up there for over an hour. I got to play City Skylines 2. I was absolutely terrible at it. I kept apologizing. There was someone coming in trying to backseat me. I'm like, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm looking down and I can see people who are like little ants right now. So I don't give a damn about getting good gameplay. And he's like, play, wasted, waste. waste. Like, I guess I got the... Because I'd forgotten to put like a road to my waist thing, or I don't know. But anyway, I, it was I was not concentrating on the game. So if you do go and watch me playing it on YouTube, I apologize for the gameplay. The gameplay is absolutely terrible. But I had other thing, other concerns going on in my head. Um, I but, had uh, I had a meeting while you were doing that, so uh, I wasn't able to watch. Um, and then I was knackered, so I went home. Also during that rain. Um, Look at you. But I've watched some of the vod afterwards, and I mean. It looks pretty terrifying. You can see, obviously, you're only in the corner for, from your camera, but mm. you can see you rising and rising and rising. And it looks, even just from the VOD, it looks pretty terrifying. It was. And I'd like to say, I have a fear of heights. I don't like heights. I, I genuinely, like, I went to the Danish opera house or whatever it was in Copenhagen. And, like, there's one bit when I was, you can walk around it because it was one of these special days, uh, like culture days. And I went over, I went to the top of it. And just thought it was inside, went across this walkway and looked down and been like, oh my God, my knees are like, I genuinely, like my knees started shaking. And that was, in front of me, I don't, yeah, it'll be about 
half the distance of how we went, how high we went. And it was, yeah, it was just terrifying. Um, but it's one of those, and somebody was like, oh, after 10 minutes, it gets better and you're fine. No, no, I, I was terrified from the moment it got above like eight feet to, actually, I lost all my fear when it started going down. And I was waving to the cars yeah. and they were waving back. And there was people filming it. There was one guy driving while holding his camera. What? Filming it as he was driving past. And I this mean, is a motorway. more dangerous than you yeah. being on the top of a crane. This is a motorway with like three or four lanes each way. And he's there like driving along, filming it. Um, there were lots of like, I could hear quite a lot of beeping of like honking of uh, car horns. And I was like, I wonder if there are people just like being distracted by this giant thing that's right next to Well, it's not right next to them because it was Probably. above them. But yeah, it was so cool. And City Skylines 2 is going to be the city building game that you want to play. City building. It's not really management, is it? Well, maybe it is a bit. But yeah, city building game. And yeah, you should definitely play that. That is out in October. I'm um, quite jealous of the whole experience, to be honest. Would you like, have done I, it? Absolutely, I would have done it. Would you have been terrified? Are you not? Maybe you're not scared of heights I, I'm as me. not as... I don't think I'm as scared of heights as you are. Mm -hmm. And I... The thing you've got to remember is that that it's gone through safety regulations so like yeah. you're perfectly safe so you've just got to trust in that it just felt just a bit weird because it was like a crane in a car park uh so it Which was a it bit felt random a little bit carny yeah <laughs> uh a bit like carnival type uh thing and i'm like okay well yeah they're not gonna kill these like because i was with streamers that have got i was with like well, actually, he wasn't on mine. He was on uh, the day before's. But I was with people that have like millions of subscribers. I didn't know them. But I, I was chatting to them and being friendly. And I'm like, yeah, you probably have like, yeah, five million subscribers, some of these people. Um, so I'm like, yeah, they're not going to kill all of them. No, uh, exactly. So you just got to trust that the straps will hold and just yeah. enjoy playing the game. And I just got a, a soaked arm and a watch. Uh, yeah, I would. Would I do it again? If I'd have known what it was going to be like, I would have done, but I think I would have had a big... Well, I wouldn't have had a big drink because then I might have needed a pee. Although yeah. people were like, oh, you're going to shit yourself. I'm like, no, my ass is so tight right now. <laughs> there is nothing coming out of that. Like, I can't even fart. I don't think I even farted going up there. I mean... You know me, I fart quite regularly. Over an hour there, yeah. nothing came out. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway, what a lovely image. What, so that, that's pretty much all our gaming stuff. What did you think of Cologne? I enjoyed Cologne. Um, it was my so that was my fourth time to Germany, but the other three were all to Hamburg, and I've also only ever been to Germany on work trips. Not that I, you know, I travel all the time. Yeah, like but it's just you know from previous jobs. Like I just happen to have been to Hamburg. Um, so I liked Cologne. It was I started off a bit weird, didn't it for us? I think I think I prefer Hamburg. Um, just Hamburg feels a bit cooler. I feel like Cologne, Cologne, Cologne was really cool, but it was, was quite chilled. And I feel like most people go there or seem to go there because there's a massive convention center. It felt like a so, businessy version of Zaragoza where it's, yeah, quite like kind of small, but people, it's quite traditional maybe in certain parts of it, maybe not the actual convention center area, but when we kind of walked out into the different areas and the different neighborhoods, it felt very like neighborhood local yeah i mean it's it's a small it's a 
I mean, especially by, you know, London standards, it's a small city. So yeah. it feels like a nice community. There's a really nice area along the river with loads of rice restaurants, mm. um, which was a really we nice... We went on like we had a 10 walk, walk. Yeah. Which was nice. We went to Haxon House and had a pork knuckle. Oh my God, the um, most meat I've ever eaten. I couldn't even eat breakfast. I had to yeah. like, I could didn't eat anything until lunch the following day. It was literally like this bit. I mean, you can't see it if you're only listening, but... Size was, of a heart. Yeah, this huge joint of pork. With then sausage and, and like fried else. spam or something like that. I don't know exactly no. what it was, but it was some spam sort of other fritter. meat thing. Um, loads of the best sauerkraut I've ever had. Genu genuinely, yes. Fucking love sauerkraut. Genuinely the best sauerkraut. Um, yeah, so that, and I mean, everyone drinks beer. I do not, so I just had wine. But the but wine glasses were very generous. They are very generous <laughs> with wine. I gotta say, yeah, they're like, oh well, you know, they know about beer a lot, so they're like, well, we know a beer measure is a pint, so wine is what like half a pint. Yeah, they just shoved it in. But yeah, we um, my first experience with Cologne was a bit weird because I was on the tram. I was stressed because I missed my connecting train because there's 20 minutes between the Eurostar and the trip to and then the to Brussels and then the trip to from Brussels to Cologne, and it's 20 minutes. And uh, you had made it, and you and your boss had made that trip. I mean, Cause, just because I booked I booked it through the train line. They like set. You can't be like, no, I need to take the train. Oh, I think they can actually, but it was like it said it was like two and a half hours later. Because it doesn't, it didn't want to use the Thales train for some reason. Because they've got multiple train companies, a bit like in the UK. And um, but anyway, I missed it, and I'd be. It's been annoying because I was kind of stressed about missing it. Because I'm like, it's only twenty minutes. But I was a bit stressed, but also like that we'd been following the time and everything was fine. Literally five minutes outside of Brussels, they were like, "Oh, there's a signalling problem, so we're going to be like thirteen to fifteen minutes late," mm. which we were. And then I ran, 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 and there's a few of us running, but like. Because it's quite a common connection, I think, because it I goes off so, to yeah. Frankfurt. Um, so, the, yeah, we were running. There was a, there were literally, as I got off there, there were loads of people I had to like move around, which took me forever to get through. But, and they were all holding like saga uh, posters. So for I the old people. For the old, and I literally had to kind of, yeah, slalom them around all the saga pensioners on holiday. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't make it, uh, unfortunately. However, I spent an extra hour then in Brussels Station and got the best Belgian waffle with chocolates and um, I think it was just chocolate, wasn't it? I think I sent you a picture. Was it cream? You sent me a picture. I yeah. think it was just chocolate. It yeah. was just chocolate. But the, you could also have it with cream or with strawberries. It was brilliant. Uh, which unfortunately, when we came back, we didn't have the opportunity because yeah, our train so was 45 you, minutes late. You promised me that we were going to have a waffle in the station because on the way back, the, the changeover um, at Brussels from the regular train to the Eurostar mm. was like an hour and a half. Yeah. Now, you've got to get through security at the Eurostar. Um, but we had loads of time to spare. So we're like, great, can I have a Belgian waffle? You've bigged this up. I'm very it excited about this waffle. And then on the way back, we had to go from a different Cologne station. Yeah. So we had to get a first a little connection. Then we were at a station in the middle of Bloody no, it felt like. Yeah, it had like, well, four platforms. Is, yeah, but... a much smaller station. Yeah. Um, and loads of people are waiting there. And we're like, okay, well, when's the train to Brussels? And it was like at least 45 minutes late. Mm -hmm. um, other trains went by and we nearly got on one that was actually going the other way. Yeah, but we were really close. Because one platform does two directions and it had Brussels on it. But that's because it was coming from Brussels, not going mm. to Brussels. I wonder how many people got like literally screwed on that, screwed on that one yeah, genuinely exactly like, and anyway we, we ended up getting the right train but it was super late and it was crawling and we were like we've got we've got this crowded over. it was super crowded standing, get room, standing room only on a two-hour train what yeah. 
not the one. No. At least um, it wasn't like 500 pounds like it would be in the UK. Yeah, exactly. It was about 40 quid, I think. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we get off at Brussels and we're running through the station and luckily they had opened a, an air... Well, I don't know if they had opened it especially. Yeah, no, they had. It they was had, especially opened up a bit. Like, so, like a, so we could just go straight through security and the, yeah. the, the nice people there were literally like, don't worry, you've got plenty of time. And I'm like, let me through! Yeah, I've never seen you be like, so stressed in yeah. <laughs> Running. I was literally shaking when we got to the Eurostar platform. You were the platform. first person through the security and you're still like, you were the well, literally we, first literally person Literally we got there and the guy was like, oh, the, if you've got such and such a ticket here, go ahead. And I was like, I've got Eurostar. He was like, you can get there. I was like, slam, down, go, passport, <laughs> yeah. through the control. Yep, here's my passport, go. Like, got to the platform. Yeah. So um, we got to the platform about 15 minutes before the train even arrived. Yeah. But I was just on the platform shaking. Like, Yeah, genuinely. You, oh had God, to go to the, you had to go to the food um, carriage food as quickly immediately. as possible. <laughs> Yeah, so unfortunately we didn't have Belgian waffles, but that just means we need to go back to Brussels. But maybe I was thinking like if we go to Gamescom again next year, if we're both there, we should have like an extra like an extra night in Brussels. Because we, I'd yeah, like to see Brussels. I enjoyed having the two extra days in Cologne. We got to see Cologne, eat lovely food. We got to meet Matt, which was really nice. Yeah. So we had a lovely couple of days. But now that I've done that, yeah, I'm slightly less fussed to stay longer because mm. we didn't want to do Gamescom. But I think if we got the train on the Friday night, but then stayed over in Brussels into Sunday, Sunday or something. Yeah. So then A, if there's a problem with the stopover, we've got longer. And B, I've got an entire day to eat my body's weight in Belgian waffles. Yeah, exactly. And like I say, one of the, the, I was, as I was saying before, like the reason why I had a kind of a weird start to the experience was I was a bit late. So I was a bit kind of, I was really hot and sweaty and I'd finally got on the train and I needed to come to the convention center to get the room key from you. So I got on a tram and my bag strap was slightly touching somebody. It's on quite a crowded train, but my mm. back, my bag strap was slightly touching a person that was standing right at the door because I think it was going off next. And he's just started moaning at me that my back strap was touching him. And I'm like, have you ever literally, have you been on public transport before in your life? <laughs> like a bag strap touching against you on a crowded train. Maybe it was tickling his arm. Maybe he was enjoying it a bit too much. And yeah. he's like, no, I can't. Um, but oh, so, and then... Got the thing, went off to the hotel, and I was standing at some traffic lights, crossing this like multi-lane traffic thing. And on the bit of the grass verge right in the middle, there was a woman sitting down reading a book. I was like, that's normal. Uh, and then as I was walking, literally just around the corner to the hotel, some people like jumped, I had their head out of a car screaming, shouting at me at something in German. I was like, what is this place? <laughs> what is, this place, everyone seems to be really highly strung. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we had a great time in the end, actually, because after Gamescom, yeah, we went and enjoyed ourselves. Went to, well, do you tell us, tell them about you at the bar? Oh, well, there's a square in Cologne. Um, oh, I was thinking about the bar that we went to on the Saturday night. Oh, that one. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there's a couple of bars. So, you know, there's a square in, in Cologne that basically everyone goes to after Gamescom. And there's an Irish bar, uh, an Irish bar, um, and most of one. so everyone tends to go to the Irish bar which inside was pretty grim to be honest but mm. at least you can get a drink and stand outside and it's typical that the Brits of the games industry go to an Irish bar but yeah. whatever um, and then the other side of that there's a, there's a load of other bars but there's one called Joe's that has these terrifying puppets in and there's like a public phone and you pick up the phone and put your uh, put, put your coin in, in yeah. and then type in the number of the puppets and then they perform for you and they literally like come up to like come alive and then perform 
dodgy had, songs. We had and, bare necessities and sex bomb. Yeah, and they sort of like wink and like twitch as they're going, and, and their like, eyebrows move. Yeah, and I'm like, this is absolutely terrifying. Mm. Um, so that go. was nice. Yeah. But then we decided to discover the gay area. We are an LGBT podcast after all. So we, we, we did test it out just to see what the scene was like. We tested it out. So yeah. yeah, we will be brought down the road to see what bars there were and decide which one to go in. So obviously we went into Kinks, which was men only. Yeah, um, it was Kinks. It was like, we're in Germany. Exactly. You know, the, tr- the stereotype of, you know. I mean, I don't think it was that weird a bar that they just happened to call it Kinks. Yeah. Um, they had, you know, some people in leather, but also people in whatever else they wanted to Track wear. Suits. great. Um, Football tops. A couple of guys in pop masks. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a nice drink there. Uh, yeah. Is it, I don't get it. Is a pop mask for like, is it like anonym, anonymity? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, we were there. We had just had a drink outside. <laughs> That's as daring as we got. I think there was like a back room. Oh, I don't know if it was the toilet. Sorry if it was like a whole other part of the bar, but I didn't go investigating. We didn't. No. Well, we'd also eaten a lot of pizza just beforehand, so we were quite full. We were like, let's go get something light, and we ended up getting the world's biggest pizzas. I didn't know it would be that big. And double desserts? <laughs> Fine. Yeah. That's totally acceptable. There were mini desserts. <laughs> there were two, well, there weren't that many, to be honest. But yeah, we had new thing that, you know, my God, you should definitely try this. This is something I tried out, never had it before. I recommend it to everybody. Coffee in at the end of a meal. <laughs> What a great idea. I mean, it's hardly groundbreaking, man. This is the it's first, quite normal. This is something I've never really done. And I had it and I was like, you know what? That just gave me energy. And I was completely ready to, I could have had another drink at, at Kinks. Could have another, well, actually probably was, would have been a bad idea. Um, but like, yeah, it was a, it was quite nice. And it was just like, it was one little street. Maybe there's a big club somewhere else, but all these bars tend to be on one street. They had a um, coat check. Or a coat oh, yeah. check-in on the street. Like that was one of the bar type thing. It was like facing the street was the uh, coat check. Mm. So you can go and, you know, check in your coat or whatever, but you could then just go to any of the bars and you're not having to go and check in. I and mean, out. everyone tends to drink outside anyway. So you yeah. can kind of go to any bar and just drink outside. and yeah. Which is a nice vibe, to be honest. I yeah. enjoy it. That's a great idea, though. If they are that close together, all the bars, just having a place where you leave yeah, your exactly. coats. Exactly. Yeah, so that was, that was Cologne. And we finally made it home and we are... We're both Tired. knackered today. Today is a bank holiday in the UK. Yeah, and you've got your stream starting soon as well. I, know, I need to do that. All right. Um, also, top tip if you go to Gamescom is take an empty bag for all of the other bags that you get. We are going to be putting, in fact, it might be out already. We're going to have a little YouTube video showing all the uh, merch that you've received, all the freebies. Yeah, we got a lot. Because you go see a preview and they're like, oh, thanks for coming. Have a black tote bag filled with stuff. Yeah. Um, which is uh, which is cool. We get loads of things from it, but it was a bit a, a bit awkward to bring back on yeah. the train. Excellent. All right. Well, I think we'll end it there. I know we've got people who've been playing stuff, but I think we'll save those for next time because it's already two and a half hours. This podcast. Sure. <laughs> so if you did requ- if you did uh, tell us what you've been playing, we will um, we'll just do a double one next time. Uh, yeah. Sure. Because I think it's way too long. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you have? To, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts? Um, Gamescom was great. Uh, Cologne was good fun. The whole thing was incredibly tiring, but very worthwhile. So it was it was a good week. Couldn't say it better myself. But like I say, if you are going or you're wanting to go, make sure you get an exhibitor press or create a pass because, yeah, the pullet pass is just... Within about five minutes of being there, I'd walked through at least three people's farts. Yeah, and I probably caught COVID about 17 times. Um, Don't say that. Maybe that was the cough, the dry mouth. <laughs> no, hopefully not. 
All right, well, thanks very much for listening to this bumper special of uh, the Gamescom, bumper Gamescom special of swapping joysticks. I've been Ben Oswick, otherwise known as Biggest Benus. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Biggest Benus and everywhere else, Biggest Benus or Biggest Benus 1. Where can we find you, Ed? Uh, you can find me at Ed underscore Knights on all the socials, Twitch and X, whatever you want to call no, it, and everything else. We don't want to call it that. And yeah, if you go to swappingjoysticks.com, you can see access, well, you can find uh, links to all of our podcasts uh, on, you know, various podcast platforms yep. and our YouTube and channel as well. as well. And the quick looks on the YouTube channel as well. And I'll be doing one of Sea of Stars. It might be out already, to be honest, by the time that we've been able to publish this with the embargoes. All right. You want to say goodbye? Oh, we don't do the swapping thing anymore, do we? Just go, bye. Bye.